This episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by Scream Factory, but that'd be really cool. They do some very cool Blu-rays. to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers and I was and am the titular Teenage Film Snob. Uh, but did you know I was also a Teenage Batman fan? I've been thinking about Batman a lot lately. Obviously, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Batman was released and uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be about a month. So, of course, it's been making me think about Batman more and more and uh, I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to it. Um, but we don't do reviews on this show. So, we, as you know, we do lists. <laughs> That's our thing. So I wanted to find a excuse to talk about Batman. So what I've done this week is uh, called in an old friend, a, uh, a big pal of the show. We've heard him before. He's our first returning guest, um, someone who I like speaking about Batman films with maybe more than anyone. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Nick Owen. James, thanks for having me back on your podcast. Absolute pleasure to join you. The, glad to have you. Uh, the prodigal son returns. <laughs> What's that, Michael? My son <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, the prodigal, yeah, no. my son returns. <laughs> uh, well done for getting an office reference into the first minute. Is yeah, the first bit of feedback. And I, I, I'm slightly, um, slightly disappointed there was no. If, if I was introducing you onto my podcast and we we're going to talk about Batman, I'd say. The Robin to my Batman, and then I'll oh. read him with your name. So just a tip for next time, maybe. <laughs> for the next time I do an all-Batman show. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. That's, I've, I've got Office on the Brain because I haven't rewatched it in a while. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Nick and I are massive Office fans. We even did a podcast about The Office once. Went for about six episodes because then we wanted to talk about other things. Um, <laughs> but it's been airing on, on Free-to-Wear, and we don't watch a lot of Free-to-Wear TV, but there's like a good half an hour to 45 minute window between Zoe going down to sleep and actually falling asleep where we just don't want to focus on anything. So we'll chuck on free to wear and we'll watch office reruns. And last night was the second last episode of the series. Um, So yeah, I've got office on the mind, even though Michael Scott isn't in that episode, I've got him on the brain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's never far from, um, he's never far from my life, even if I'm not in the middle of some sort of office rewatch, because generally, um, once a week I'll get like a meme sent to me by you on Instagram from a, from a page we both follow, which has generally got some pretty good Michael Scott memes. So I, I'd, I dare say a week doesn't go by when I'm not thinking about the office. <laughs> I do love a good office meme. I, um, <clears throat> look, I'm thinking about that point now with my office fandom and we will talk about Batman, I promise, um, where I don't need to watch it again for a little while. Like if it's on free to wear, I'll pop, you know, I'll watch what's on TV, but I don't need to do a big, big rewatch for a while because I've seen that show probably close to 20 times through. Like I've watched it a lot, especially during lockdown, especially during Tina's pregnancy. So I'm in no rush, but if I see a good office meme, I will pass it on and have a chuckle. I saw one today that I passed to <laughs> Tina where it was, um, you know, when, uh, the, the, oh, what is it? They're trying to find the flasher and the, um, yeah. the, the wanted posters are all of Dwight and um, he's working with Andy <laughs> And he steals his candy bar where he's like, has he's no holsies. So, <laughs> so that was the template for the meme, halves is no holsies. And it was like when my girlfriend and I try to share the covers in bed, 
Um, so I sent that one to Tina because it's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, I do know the moment. Very good. It's uh, it's pretty great. Um, cool. So we're going to chat about the bat today, as uh, as I said. I've been using that phrase a lot, even off mic. It's not the first time Nick's heard that joke. It's probably about the fourth. Um, <laughs> I like the rhyme. Um, <clears throat> and we had a bit of because we went and saw the Batman together a couple of weeks ago and had a lovely old time. a couple of goddamn kings in gold class. Um, it was, and- can I just say, what a great thrill to be back in cinemas. I know they've been open, uh, opening back up a little bit, but um, for me, this was, this was the first like big event film I'd seen probably since Tenet, which is going back 18 months, I think now, um, wow, yeah. at least. Um, and it was just like I'd kind of forgotten that buzz of, you know, you get to the cinema, the hype of waiting around, and then, um, yeah, absolute wonderful experience. But, yeah. It's my favourite thing. I love it. We, um, I was very lucky, you know, <clears throat> even during lockdown and, and having a baby and stuff, I did manage to go to the cinemas four times last year, which – you know, by my re- my regular standards is absolutely nothing, but for a, a year where everything was shut down, I was pretty happy with that. And uh, and three of those were Marvel films, so definitely getting those big action blockbusters, those event films in. Um, and it was great. And it was nice to go. You know, we used to go to the movies all the time together back when I lived out in Lillydale. Like, it'd feel like you know a couple of times a year we go catch a flick. So it was nice to be able to go mm. do that again. Yeah, absolutely. Directly halfway between us, we found somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was the halfway close between us or halfway far away between us, but it did work out. Yeah. Um, it was a point between our houses. <laughs> but it was a good theatre to go to. Um, it was great. Um, nice one. So we were talking about, so afterwards we were talking about, we're like, we need to talk about Batman on the podcast. So I was like, well, I'll definitely get you on to talk about it because who better? You know, who's going to, you know, better, yeah, uh, wax rhapsodic you know, more than you, I think so. Um, so the only question was how are we going to do it? Like, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to talk, like, talk about Batman performances? Are we going to rate our actors? Um, and then we were like, well, it's a movie podcast. So we'll just talk about our favourite Batman movies. Now we know this is controversial for the internet. There's no right answer. It doesn't matter what our lists are. I We've been painstakingly working on our lists for the last week. The first movie we both say someone's going to be like, wrong. That's not, that should not be number 10. I think um, best to preface these lists by saying these are not our uh, what we consider the top ten or like the best ten in order. It's more our preference for the ten in order. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, things are going to come into play. Like obviously, nostalgia is going to play a big role. There's a movie in my honourable mentions. I won't give it away yet, but I'm sure when I say it, people are going to smash their phones and laptops and never want to listen again, including my father who is listening every single week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but nostalgia plays a big factor. Obviously, I think you have to take into consideration the you know how well they've aged as well. Um, like some of those older films might not hold up so well, and you know, but we'll see how we go with that. Before we get started, though, I did want to talk to you um, about the character in general because I've been a huge Batman fan most of my life. I, I was you know definitely in the nineties was when I first kind of got into the character, and I'll leave out the movies that kind of got me into it because I'll talk about that on my list later. Um, and then obviously, you know, the Nolan trilogy came and went and that was huge. And that was around the time I got into comics and stuff as well. What do you think it is about Batman that people love? Cause people, like, everyone loves Batman. Like you don't have to be a comic book fan to like it. You don't have to be a superhero fan to like Batman, but everyone, like this film is, this film opened bigger than Spider-Man. This film is on track to be a better hit at the box office than Spider-Man. What is it about the character that people love? Well, it's a great question. Um, and I think that 
probably a lot of it has to do with if you can have such a thing in the comic book comic book world is Batman's such a grounded character comparatively. Um, mm. Whether, I mean, not all of us can relate to having our parents, <laughs> you know, killed at gunpoint for pearls in an alley. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think a lot of us have probably felt as downtrodden and, you know, um, as as Bruce Wayne is. And I think the fact that, you know, his origin, as much as I'm a massive Superman person, I I do love my soups. (laughs) But, like, you know, how much can one really relate to an alien from Krypton? Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, the same for a lot of the the Marvel heroes. Um, And I think that... Yeah, I think how grounded he is. I think um, I'd also say as well, for me personally, Batman's just been an ever-present in, in in the cinematic landscape and so he's just been there as you grow up and you and I didn't grow up in the um, comic book rich cinema landscape that there is now for youngsters. Absolutely. You know, coming up in the 90s, you really only had um those batman films or certainly that's all i had access to like one of the films i'm going to talk about later is is purely higher on my list for nostalgic value because it was you know the vhs i had when i was a kid so yeah yeah, i think that sort of in some part answers it what what are your thoughts on it i agree there is that theory where it's like he's relatable as much as like oh if i did enough push-ups and i had enough money i could be batman (laughs) now that's not what i like about batman but i think that's what some people do i wonder whether i feel like he kind of represents you know, the darkness that we all have. And I'm not trying to get poetic and be like, oh, we're all dark, tortured souls. Not at all. But we've all had that moment where we're like, I just want to punch that guy in the face. If only I'd said this, if only I'd done that. And the whole idea of like, you know, and they talk about a lot in that new movie, the personification of vengeance. What does vengeance look like as an image? It looks like Batman. Um, and I'm certainly not promoting vengeance. Like we don't want that. Like that's not good. There's a different injustice and vengeance, but I think that there's that where it's like if there were no consequences, if I had the cojones to step up to whoever or whatever, I'd really like to, you know, throw a batarang at his face or something like that. (laughs) And I'm not saying there's a his, a he in my mind. I'm just using him because Batman's not really punching a lot of women. He's normally punching guys, let's be honest there. Um, I think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, cut you off mid-sentence. No, I was going to say I think that's a really well-made point. I think. That's something that, yeah, I, I definitely overlooked in when entering that. And I think he's, um, he's so right that there's, there's a bit of, um, you know, wouldn't we all just love to be that person who can go out and just start, like, taking down criminals? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we've all done it. Like, we've all fantasised. We're like, yeah, I could pull on some tights and, you know, clean up my neighbourhood. And, like, from the suburbs, my neighbourhood was clean. But, like, even still, like, <laughs> you do you do think about it. I think also... He's such a tragic character. Like, there's a real tragedy to that character. And and Superman as well. Like Superman didn't just lose his parents. He lost his whole planet. But with Batman, I think, it's again, it's a little bit more grounded. We can relate to it. We can. He just grew up in a city which, you know, it's the worst city in America, but it's not that different from any other city in the world. Like, um, his, you know, his, those, his parents were just lovely people and then, you know, they went down and took, took a wrong turn, you know, on the wrong night and, and everything changed. And then he's just like, well, I never want this to happen again. So there's a, a really beautiful, almost Shakespearean tragedy to him as well. Um, so, I, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to him, I think, that people like. Um, plus, you know, like, he's got cool gadgets. He can solve, you know, m- you know, mysteries and crimes and stuff like that. There's a lot of, 
He's very cool as well. Like there's also yeah. that. Also, having a butler doesn't hurt his case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially the modern version of of Alfred, who you know t- taught him how to fight and you know helps him with his gadgetry and stuff as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, but I, I think that that's a really good, really good point. Um, I mean, if I could just. Uh, Quick question without notice for you, James. Mm. Um, where, where does where does Batman sit in your pantheon of, of comic book heroes? <clears throat> um, definitely up the top. Um, I um, you know when I first started reading comics and started getting into this world, um, it was kind of like Batman only. So Batman was definitely the first one. Everything else I thought was a bit silly. Um, you know, I you know I didn't I didn't really like Marvel. I liked the movies enough, but like I tried reading some comics. I just couldn't get into them. That has since changed. Um, thanks largely to Frank Miller, who wrote Bat, you know, The Dark Knight Returns and, and Batman uh, for a number of years. He did a great great couple of miniseries. And um, Frank Miller also wrote Daredevil. So Batman and Daredevil are pretty much at level for me. They're probably my two favourites. They're, they're both very similar, very grounded, um, you know, kind of mistaking justice with vengeance. You know, there's a lot of parallels with, between Batman and Daredevil. Um, so they're probably up the street. If I had like my Mount Rushmore, and I know we don't have Mount Rushmore in Australia, but if I had to do my Mount Rushmore of characters, those two are definitely up there. And then I put up Spider-Man and the Flash as well. So I've got two kind yes. of very grounded street level um, characters and then two a bit more fantasy driven kind of science fiction-y ones. Um, yeah. Yep. All just red and black, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've definitely got a theme. Yeah. Um, what about yourself? Do you have a, a kind of a, a top tier of characters, or does Batman yeah? I mean, up there or? my my Mount Rushmore Batman would would definitely be on it. Um, I'd have to also put Iron Man in there. Yep. Um, and I think I've never seen a Spider Man movie I haven't really liked, um, which I think goes to this. I mean, number three is uh, a bit iffy, but. Uh, Sorry, of the Tobey Maguire films. Yep. Sorry, I should have specified there. Um, so I just think, yeah, Spider-Man would also be there as well. And are there four people on Mount Rushmore? There are, yeah. Okay, I'll find another one for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to. I was just uh, uh, no. I think I think I think Superman would be would be on there as well for me. Yeah, we we haven't done all of it kind of talked about Superman that much. I didn't realize you're such a big Superman fan. I know you like Henry Cavill, but I'd never. Um, yeah, I mean. I even have a I hold a bit of a candle for the Brandon Ruth one or Ralph. I can't, I can't he's a great his last name. Yeah, yeah, he, I, he I really great. enjoyed it, and yeah, it was a bit far fetched. You know, it was from just from that era, just before uh, they sort of started to ground the the super superhero films in reality a little bit. So that that weird floating island, or not the island that Lex Luthor was growing out. It was a bit far fetched, but um, I still think he was a great Superman. Yeah, the problem with that film, like, is um, mainly, A, it's very long and not a lot happens in it. It's about two hours. Mm. I think it's almost as long as Dark Knight Rises and not much happens and it's very slow. Superman doesn't really fight anyone in it, um, which makes it difficult. Um, so it does have a few things working against it, but, you know, on the page, that film should work really well. Like, and Brandon Routh is very charming as Superman. He, it's meant to be kind of like a sequel to the Christopher Reeve one. So, um, yeah, I, I do... I do hold a soft spot for that film, although um, I do see its flaws as well. Um, but I was mm. so glad that he got the chance to reprise that role um, a few years ago. They did on the DC TV shows, um, Crisis on Infinite Earth, and Brandon Routh came back as Superman, which is really cool. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. I actually didn't realise that that had happened. That's great. 
Yeah, they brought back a lot of people in that crossover. They brought back Burt Ward as Robin from the 1960s. Um, he was only like a cameo. He wasn't in much. Um, I don't know if you remember yeah. uh, Alexander Knox in the first Batman movie. He's like the reporter that works with Vicky Vale. He showed up in an episode. Like they really tight because they were like they've been building their multiverse for the last kind of five, ten years before Marvel. Marvel has just managed to get there first. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. They've had quite. They've had a couple of multiverse films. Now we've got another one coming up in a couple of months. So I think we should really crack into these lists and uh, talk Batman. Absolutely. So just uh, we, I messaged Nick urgently at the last night of this morning. I remember what it was. Now I was like, quickly, I need to remind, just double check you're happy with the rules for this. So what we're doing is we're doing our top ten favorite Batman movies. Um, and as I said, like nostalgia will come into it. I'm sure. Um, any Batman movie. He doesn't have to have Batman in the title. He just has to be a, a, a character. No cameos. So, like, obviously, I don't think anyone was picking the 2016 Suicide Squad, but if you were, it doesn't really count. He's not really in it that much. Um, it could be live action, animated, theatrical release, direct-to-DVD or streaming. We're, we're including everything um, because that way it gives us a lot more to play with as well. Um, yep, well you- I've stuck to those rules. Um, I've got a couple of... Honorables, which I think we'll go through at the end of our lists. Absolutely. <clears throat> so if, you ha- if you're happy for me to get the ball rolling, I'll start with my 10th favourite Batman film. Light up the bat signal, Robin. Let's uh, <laughs> go for it. What's number this, 10? This is Boys Talking Bats. <laughs> um, number 10 for me is the recent Justice League, and I'm going to count both versions of that in, in the ones that both the um, – the theatrical release and Zacky Snyder's uh, four odd hour extended cut, and I'll also count his black and white cut. That's also available. Justice is Grey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that what well, that's called? Let, yeah, it is. Let me just piggyback by saying my number ten is also Zack Snyder's Justice League. All right, so we'll probably have a bit of crossover here. But look, um, probably a movie I was wanted to like more than I did. I think that disappointment. Um, is a big factor of me ranking it so low here. Um, I think for me, I was really on board uh, Zack Snyder's DC universe. Uh, I thought it was a nice point of difference to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I thought this was the first nail in the coffin in they just lost, that universe lost its way. I think they tried to lighten it up and it just, the tone was everywhere in this movie. Um, it wasn't overly coherent and you can see why when you see what was cut out and how much was cut out in Zack Snyder's. Um, and so I'll, I'll hand over to you in a sec so you can um, talk no, about okay. it as well. But I think that even, even with the additional content put back in, it just um, it was a bit all over the place. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's why it's so, so low for me. I don't think it's a particularly great Ben Affleck um, Batman performance. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll pause there so you can have a, have a word in as well. Yeah, no, sure. Um, I, so I'm only doing Zack Snyder's justice league. I'm not doing the, thea- the theatrical cut. I didn't have as many problems with the theatrical cut as other people did, but my least favorite part about that movie is Batman. Like Batman does a lot of non Batman things in that theatrical cut from talking to Alfred openly in front of a criminal, um, addressing him as Alfred to, um, smiling when Superman arrives to making terrible jokes like something's definitely bleeding, I don't not not like you. It was all very um, 
I don't want to say cringy. It just wasn't that character. That's not what that character's like. He was almost kind of like, you know, he was almost like playing like Jimmy Olsen, where he's like, oh, Superman, what can I do to impress you? Like, um, whereas in the extended cut, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, we get a lot more of who Batman's supposed to be. Um, we get to see him become a leader, you know, you know, it, different members have led the Justice League in the comics in the past, and Batman's definitely one of them. Um, I always like when Batman leads the Justice League because it's like a man leading God, so I think that's very interesting. Um, so I do like him in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, but even still, he's definitely a lesser player. Um, it's definitely more of a vehicle to explore Aquaman and, and Flash and Cyborg in particular and kind of showcase those characters before their own films. Um but, you know, you've got some really wonderful scenes. You've got, um, you know, Batman working with Gordon. Um, you've got Bruce kind of talking to, to Barry Allen and, like, trying to figure out what his superpowers and stuff are. You do have, like, some relationship building with him and, and Wonder Woman, which I always liked in the comics when they kind of gave them a romance. I'm not saying that's what they were doing in this film, but it kind of felt like there was some light flirtation, which I really liked. Um, uh, on top of that... Um, you know, that scene at the end, you know, in, in Russia when he's fighting off parademons and, like, even any time he's fighting parademons is great. Like, even in the um the old silo where everyone's being held captive, like him trying to, like, take on this army and just being this old, battered Batman fighting aliens for the first time. So there is a lot to enjoy and definitely, um, you know, Affleck makes, you know, makes it worth his performance worth watching. Um, but as a Batman film and a Batman kind of focus, it's, Lower on the list for a reason. Yeah, I couldn't have. That was a very good summation. Couldn't have said it better myself. You're just sucking up to the host now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, suck on this. This is my <laughs> number nine. Go for it. Uh, are we ready, ready to move on? I can move on unless you've got any final words on Zack Snyder's Justice like, I'll just say this. I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago, um, and I it's – it's a real achievement. Like I see why they couldn't release it in cinemas. It is very long. And if you did, you know, just run everything at normal speed, it probably wouldn't have been anywhere near as long. Um, but that's what Zack Snyder does. You know, you look at Watchmen, you look at 300, look at um, pretty much anything he's done with the exception of Dawn of the Dead. Like he paints splash pages on a, on a, on a screen. He does very big, epic, um, almost godlike storytelling. Like, it's a very distinct style. I know a lot of people have problems with his filmmaking. I don't because no one else is making movies like him. And the Justice League, it's not like the Avengers. And I'm not pitting one against the other. I love all the Avengers films as well. But that is, you know, family entertainment. And, you know, sometimes there's a little more going on. You know, those later Avengers films are quite dark. But, they're, you know, it is family entertainment. They're popcorn movies, just have a bit of a message. Zack Snyder's doing a very different kind of film um, and making it very epic and making it like, you know, like those old like Ben Hur pictures and stuff. Like, let's really use the screen. Let's use everything we can, um, which is what I love about that film. So there's a lot to like about the movie, unlike the original, which felt like it was three people on a soundstage all movie. Like, it felt very small. Yeah, um, but I and do I think. Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and like the tone of that theatrical cut, the original one, you can. <clears throat> it's almost like some scenes were shot in black and white and they expected you not to notice that was the difference in tone yeah. in that, you know, like the, the lines that were obviously um, added post-production and uh, yeah, it was, it was messy. And, um, but I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like the performances are still pretty good in there. Um, and I think that a lot of the, fa- lot of the fact I've ranked it so low 
um, a lot of the reason I've ranked it so low on mine is, is probably how, in retrospect, my disappointment that this really tanked where that cinematic universe was going. Yeah, absolutely. And now I, I, it feels a little rudderless to me because I think that the, the Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel, um, was okay. It wasn't great. And uh, it seems sort of like without, the, <clears throat> without a strong Justice League kind of franchise pulling all those characters forward, they feel a bit just cast adrift. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I've liked most of the DC stuff since, you know. I, um, I really liked Aquaman. The first time, you know, it was a bit much, but like on rewatching, I really enjoyed it. Birds of Prey is probably one of the weaker ones for me, but it's not a terrible film. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, the Suicide Squad I loved. I really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, 2022 is looking, 2022 and 2023 are looking like good years for DC. The Flash movie looks great. Uh, we're going to get a lot of Batman in that because Ben Affleck's showing up in that one again. Um, and there are rumours that the rest of the Justice League might be making appearances as well. Um, so, you know, that looks great. I'm always down for the next Aquaman film. So there's definitely a bright future for DC, um, whether it's a Zack Snyder-driven universe or not. Oh, excellent. All right, well, I'll move on to my ninth Go for Batman it. film, which is, oh, I was going to lead in with a year, but I can't quite think of it, but Batman Forever starring Val Kilmer as the no. titular Batman. 1995, Batman Forever. 95, thank you. So I mentioned uh, in our preamble that I, <clears throat> that I had one of the Batman films on VHS. This was the one. And so do you know how... <clears throat> Uh, now we're our age and you have access to all these streaming services. I would never dream of watching Batman films or any films out of order, but when you're a kid, you just watch what you have access to and that was Batman Forever. So for me, this was Batman. I thought that Tommy Lee Jones as Harvey Two-Face was the scariest mofo in this, you know, in the that I'd seen. Um, So sinister. And, I mean, I can't deny now the campiness of, of Jim Carrey's Riddler villain. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and the plot, uh, the, the, the plot's a bit far-fetched as well in stealing people's brainwaves and things like that. But um, I, I love the Schumacher depiction of uh, Gotham. I think he absolutely nails that. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm not sure if this appears on your list. Obviously, you don't have to say but um, do you have any thoughts on on uh, Batman Forever? Um, yeah, I, this is one of the ones I, I saw later in life. So I wasn't a kid. I was probably like in my teens when I saw Batman Forever for the first time. Um, I'll talk about my first Batman movie a little bit, a little bit later on. Um, so it took a little while for me to get to it, and I wasn't the world's biggest Jim Carrey fan. I'm still not. I don't dislike him. I think when he's great, he's great. But I think um, his brand of comedy doesn't always suit what I'm into. Again, like not a criticism. I love him in so much stuff. Just um, I know I never grew up watching a lot of his comedies. So when I did finally see it, I did think he was a little bit odd. But now I know he is kind of that is kind of an homage to the 1960s Batman. I think Val Kilmer's great. I think he's a, I think he's a really good choice for Bruce Wayne and Batman. Again, there's some weird stuff. There's a lot of Batman smiling uh, in this movie. There's a weird thing where um, Batman, like, obviously there's the whole Chase Meridian storyline, who's now in the comics. I don't know if she always was, but she is in the comics now. Um, and, like, he doesn't like that she has a crush on Batman. He wants her to have a crush on Bruce Wayne. Like, that was very unusual. Is this also the one where Robin does karate to fold his laundry? Or is that Batman and Robin? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was going to mention that. that. That's this one. 
I don't think I've ever cringed harder in my adult life than watching that because it's it's not played for any type of uh, like they're not supposed to be in on it. It's played so earnestly that he's like trying to prove his worth to Batman and he just does some rock and roll laundry. <laughs> it's like right. he, it's like Bruce Wayne just catches him folding laundry. He's like, oh, maybe he could be a crime fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is absolutely insane. Um, Chris O'Donnell, I don't know. He's uh, he's he's all right as Robin. I can't say that I absolutely love him. <laughs> love him in this film. I don't dislike him, um, but my problem is why is Bruce Wayne adopting like a twenty three year old man? Like, <laughs> I think he sees another troubled soul. But it's like he could just rent a house. Like to me, it's like that, that's why that's where it falls apart a little bit for me. And again, it's not a bad film. It's it's very fun. It's very campy. It's definitely rewatchable. But like that's where the biggest hurdle for me. Where I'm like, we you could have been like you didn't like you know in the comics, Robin's like ten. Like you didn't have to do ten if you didn't want to. Like if it was you know the nineties, if it was you know weird to put a ten year old as Robin, but you could have done like a sixteen year old, and then you could like the rebellion would have felt a bit more real. Like you would have, I would have bought into the angst a bit more because, like, he's a teenager, he's adopted by this rich guy he doesn't know. Like, you could have played with that a lot more. Whereas, you know, 42 year old Chris O'Donnell, like, (laughs) 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 just doesn't quite work for me. That being said, I will say I love Michael Goff as Alfred, I think he's a really good Alfred. Um, I will actually go and say there has not been a miscast for Alfred ever, they always get the casting right, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you there. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones, like Tommy Lee Jones kind of starts off very, very good as Two-Face and then kind of becomes the Joker a little bit, which is jumping around and like laughing and stuff. But I do yeah. like it. Um, <clears throat> I, feel, I feel like that's the plight of all Batman villains though. It's like, like they can all slip a little bit too into the Joker. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's got some great moments. I love, you know, and I, you know, I talked about Jim Carrey not being the world's biggest Jim Carrey fan. One thing I do love is his final scene when he's in Arkham Asylum and he's you know, he's talking about how he knows the identity of the Batman and he's just like I'm Batman and he's like wait <laughs> like to me I was like that's that, that is legitimately funny like and it's a great little plot twist I love that. Um, my question for you is: Did Batman Forever make you a Bat fan forever? <laughs> well, yes, yes, it surely did. <laughs> well, I've been like, I've been waiting so long to just slip that joke in. It's so dumb. Um. And I think you, you touched on uh, Val Kilmer. I agreed. I think he's a great Batman. I think he's. Um, I think people are either better Bruce Waynes or they're better Batmans. I actually think he's a better Bruce Wayne. I agree. Than he is a Batman. Um, you know, there's a scene when he's doing a tour of the Wayne Enterprises sort of factory floor. I guess you'd call it the labs or whatever they are, and um, you can see what a cool and commanding presence he is. He's really fair to Edward Nigma, E. Nigma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he's trying to sell him on his pitch. And um, and I would have loved to have seen more of him as Batman, to be honest. I agree. Um, and I think that Nicole Kidman, I mean, she's she was probably in one of the purple patches of her career at that point. Unfortunately, she's given a classic female part, which is underwritten and underdeveloped in, in those sort of 90s films. So she doesn't have a whole lot to do um, except, except sort of stand there and, make eyes at Batman. Mm. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, she's fine. She's doing well in there as well. So I think um, 
I think a lot of people might be surprised that's in a top 10 of Batman films. But um, for me, I, I would say that the nostalgia value of it as well is look back with, I look back with rose-tinted glasses. No, definitely. It's definitely fun. And, like, if I was going to choose, you know, at some point I'm going to start showing my daughter these movies. Like, she's a bit young at the moment. But at some point, I will, like, Batman first played the first one. Like, in terms of the live-action films, like, it's probably the most fun, like, fun one and most engaging one. Um, that, that would probably be the first one, honestly. So there's definitely a lot of value in that film. I, like, and I'll just put it out here. I don't hate any Batman movies. Like, that's – I'm a real Batman fan. And I don't, I don't mean real fans like all movies. I mean – I really am a Batman fan. So, like, even if it's not good, you know, by, you know, kind of critical standards, I'll still find something I like about it. Um, nice one. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about Batman Forever? No, nope, I'll leave it there. Nice one. Well, my number nine is an animated film. Um, came out uh, a few years back, actually probably almost ten years back now, um, and it's called Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. Um, so it's based on a comic book called Flashpoint, um, in which Barry Allen, the Flash, um, after you know having a couple of miserable bouts, he decides he's going to run you know, run fast enough to go back in time and prevent his mother from being murdered. Um, common theme with these superheroes: parents getting murdered left and right. Um, and, and in doing so, he accidentally rewrites the timeline. So when he comes out the other side, his mum's alive, but he no longer has powers. Um, Superman never landed in Kansas; he landed. Um, in America and was captured by the government and has never seen the sunlight, so he's all weak and thin and malnourished. Aquaman and Wonder Woman got married um, and the Amazons and Atlanteans united, but then someone cut off Mira's head and then they divorced and they became, went, to, went to war with each other. And when we land in the movie, the Atlanteans and Amazons are, take, are fighting over Europe. Like, it's, it's really intense. Um, there's no Justice League. The only person from the Justice League who was around is Cyborg. Um, and Bruce Wayne was murdered in Crime Alley. So the, the big difference of this universe is when the Waynes left the theatre that night, it's nine o'clock. a crazed gunman comes out and instead of shooting um, the Wayne parents, uh, he shoots Bruce. And from that moment on, Thomas Wayne becomes the Batman. Um, and he's a violent Batman. He uses guns. He's got the bat symbol with like a big red sun behind. He's got red eyes. And Martha goes insane and becomes the Joker. Um, oh but, wow! Yeah, so that's this version. That's th- this version of our universe. This is what happens all because Barry Allen, you know, screwed up the timeline. Um, so this is more of a Thomas Wayne Batman story. He plays quite a bit of a role in it. He's there to kind of he's the conduit for Barry. Like Barry's trying to find Justice League members to work with, and there's no one available. And he goes to Wayne Manor, um, and he finds it's been abandoned. There's no Alfred, um, and he gets attacked by Batman. He's like Bruce, like. You know, to my friend, you know, it's me, Barry. And, um, you know, obviously it's Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. It's like, Bruce died years ago. Like, who are you? And then they kind of, you know, after, you know, the stereotypical superhero fight, realise that they are on the same time and Thomas helps him get his powers back. Um, and the heroes that are in the world hate Batman because he's so violent and unnecessarily brutal and stuff like that. So we get two Batman in this movie and that's why it's on there. First of all, we get Thomas Wayne played by um, Kevin McKidd. And then we do also get um, Bruce Wayne at the tail end of the film and kind of like the PS scene um, as Kevin Conroy, of course, who I think is largely accepted as one of the best Batman performances. Um, yeah, and it, it, he would he would be the longest running performer. Like he's still, would you not? He's still doing it. So he started in 1992 when the um, Batman animated series um, started and now it's 2022. I don't know if he's done anything this year, but he's been doing it for about 30 years. 
Um, yeah. And he recently came out, like, literally in the last couple of days saying, you know, I want to do another Arkham game, which I'm all for. Um, so it's a really one, wonderful film. I won't go into too much information because I've given you a lot of plot points already. If people haven't seen it, it's definitely worth a check out. It's probably about an hour and 15 minutes long. Those earlier DC animated films were quite short. Now they go up to an hour and a half or longer, but when they first came out, they were kind of around an hour 10. So um, it's really good. But one of the best scenes in the film is um, right before um, Barry comes back to our timeline, there's a conversation with Thomas Wayne and Thomas gives him a letter. Um, and then Barry comes back to our timeline. He's talking to Bruce. Um, he's like, oh, by the way, like I, I met some, someone in the other timeline and it's a letter from uh, Bruce's father to his son because they lost each other in their own timelines and this is kind of a bridge between them. And it's like one of the few times you ever see Batman cry and it's a really like beautiful like moment where you're like, oh, like this isn't, why did they do this sooner? Why did it take until like 2011 for someone to be like, hey, maybe like through the timeline Bruce gets to talk to his dad again. Um, so it's a really like wonderful moment. It's really, I, for me, it's really satisfying. Um, I wa- don't know if we're going to get anything like that in this, this Flash movie coming up, but they are kind of playing with Flashpoint films as well. But, um, yeah, it's a great flick. It's a very easy watch. There's a lot of fun little references and Easter eggs in there and you get two Batman in it, one the one we know and love and one who's a little bit darker, um, which is very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see a, a Thomas Wayne Batman, actually. That sounds really, really cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really fun. Um, and sorry, last question on that. Does it sort of explore the concept of Martha being the Joker or is it just sort of mentioned? They play with it a little bit, but it's not the main feature of the movie. Um, it's more, it's not a Batman movie. It's definitely a flash movie under the title of justice league. Um, but Thomas Wayne is in, in it quite a bit. So you get a little bit of Joker, even in the comics, they didn't dive into it too deeply. It was more just kind of like, Hey, here's, um, you know, you know, here's an alternate universe for you. Um, I would, they're bringing him back. Actually, there's a new comic series coming out this year. I think it's called flashpoint beyond or something. Um, I can't remember the title, and there's a whole mini series about Thomas Wayne Batman. So I imagine we might see some Martha Joker in there, hopefully. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd lo- I'd love to see that fleshed out in a series or something like that. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. Like, obviously, with this Flash film, we've got um, spoilers. If anyone doesn't know, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck confirmed to be coming out back. We don't know if there are any other Batman. We might get a Christian Bale. Who knows? Um, but to me, it's like, oh, it'd be really interesting if maybe Affleck's playing Thomas Wayne in this. Like, we don't know who he's playing. Like, we're not, it hasn't been confirmed it's going to be Bruce. Like, maybe he's playing Thomas Wayne. Because it sounds like, by all accounts, Michael Keaton is going to be this universe of Batman moving forward. Like, he's in the Batgirl movie as well, playing her mentor. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, Thomas Wayne is a very cool Batman. And um, I mm. am always excited to see, see more of him. Are you sure Michael Keaton's not playing the founder of McDonald's in this one? <laughs> That is a great movie. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Batman, but it's uh, very, very—he's great in everything. Like I'll watch that guy do you know any movie. He's so likable. Um, all right, shall I press on? Yeah, go for it. What are we up to? Eight. Number eight. All right. Oh no, we're up to seven. No, that was my number yeah. nine. So we're up to number eight. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> Batman Returns, the second of the Keaton Batmans. Now, I, I won't press you in case your this this appears on your list um, again. We can, we can talk about this. It's okay. I'll talk about it. Heavy nostalgia value here, um, <clears throat> and I don't want to reference it too much 
um, in relation to the preceding original Batman film. Um, but great performances across the board here. I really think everyone is just like nailing it. Like Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman is incredible. Yep. Um, Danny, Daniel DeVito as the Penguin. Um, I, it actually took me re-watching it recently to see how much, um, and I know it's going to sound funny for a, for a, a big that Batman villain, but how much emotion he puts into that backstory of Penguin, obviously being abandoned as a child, and you really do feel for him. And as part of me is like, yeah, I can kind of see what you're getting at here. Mm. Um, obviously, the second of the Tim Burton Batman films, his his style is stamped all over it. And again, I really love the Gotham in in those films. I think it's a really fantastic setting. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll hand over to you. It, um, I do like Batman Returns. It's probably one of my favourite of the original four, like so in that original um, kind of Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher kind of connected universe. Um, it's definitely the darkest one. There are some weird things in it. Like I do like the visual style of Gotham, but it also, like Gotham seems like it takes place in about two city blocks. It's not a very big <laughs> Gotham. Um, I do like Danny DeVito's commitment to the role, but, He's really weird. Like, I don't really... Like, Tim Burton kind of started this trend of fetishizing the villains. Like, if you look at all the Batman films, like, the ones that are at the top of my list are, bat- are up there because they're Batman movies. Like, most of them are really, hey, Batman's in this, but check out this cool villain or check out these cool ten villains. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what I felt with Batman Returns. Um, I think he's overtly sexual for no good reason. <laughs> like, he's... Always trying to like pinch girls' butts and stuff, and he's got that slime coming out of his mouth. Um, yeah, all that being he's said, a borderline <laughs> sex pest. Yes. Um, that being said, I think he is character design is great, and I think like he's um, he's a very interesting character. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is excellent. I really really like her. Um, I really like the relationship between her and Batman and, and Selena and Bruce, and they nail it. I think it's only exceeded by one performance, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but especially like we're on the, um, they're on the rooftop and like, you don't know whether they're about to like fall in love or kill each other. Like it's a really good tight wire act. Um, I do not like the way Batman treats Commissioner Gordon in this movie. Like there's literally a moment very early on where he's like, ah, oh, thanks for saving the city, Batman. The red triangle gang are at it again. And Batman's like, whatever, like just blows him off completely. Um, and again, like the main villain of the film is like a businessman, like Max Shrek. Like, so look, I'm certainly not criticizing. I think it is a, I think it's a really, really fun watch, and it's very dark, which I do like. It is. There's some weird kind of Hellraiser psychosexual fetishism in there, which seems a little bit out of place for a Batman film. But at the same time, um, it's it's very entertaining. But the, there's just some weird stuff in there, like weird stuff yeah, that I don't. And- I don't know where it, it came from. It's, and it's, it's, it's Batman in all its campy glory. It's, you know, like we're, we're now in the, the era of grounded realism, real gritty films, um, which I personally love. Um, but I think there is a place to, like, it's really nice to go back and just see certainly where um, the, you can really trace the, the origins of where we are now back to these, these early Tim Burton films. And I think there's something really sweet about that. Um, yeah. Keaton's actually I, I wouldn't put him up there as one of my favourite of the Batman yep. um, I agree I, I think I'm he, with you there. <clears throat> fairly wooden performance and he's still obviously 
I give him massive props for being a, a pioneer, uh, you know, bringing it to the, to the masses. Like, I mean, uh, obviously not being around to take in the cultural landscape back in the early nineties, I wouldn't have been aware of that, but, you know, from reading about it recently, like it was an absolute phenomenon, you know? Yeah. And um, so I got to give him mad props for that. But yeah, I think that, you know, with those early um, Burton films, and obviously I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about the, the original one later, um, you know, they are very villain focused. Yeah. You don't get a lot of Bruce Wayne and, and even his, his Batman is quite silent, doesn't say a lot. And um, the fighting's a bit, stilted and cut together as well i am um, i i'm i'm in agree, agreement with you like i do like the gritty stuff i like the really realistic stuff but i do like the more fantastical as well like so i don't really care what kind of like what kind of batman you can be i would argue the Zack snyder stuff isn't really grounded like it is gritty but it's not there's a, there's definitely especially justice League, there's a lot of fantasy elements in that um and these as well like they don't feel grounded they do feel a bit fun and silly it, um, Batman Returns also has the world's slowest car chase um, where <laughs> the Batmobile is trying to chase down the Penguin and he's going about like 30 kilometres an hour. <laughs> but he needs like a grappling hook to turn around a tight corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, again, I'm not criticising. Like, I'm making fun of it, but it all comes from a, a place of, of admiration. I do like that film quite a bit. Um, but it's just, again, very clear that the people at the helm didn't really understand the character. Like, Tim Burton was like, the penguin should be an actual penguin, and that seems a real misread of the character. <laughs> yeah, let's give him a penguin nose. And flipper hands. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And also, like, I don't know, we weren't as culturally sensitive to what this would look like, but his parents literally just, like, throw his pram off a bridge into a stream yeah. at the start. That is cold. That is ice cold. Like, where is the oversight from, like, the government there? Like, didn't you have a son? <laughs> yeah, it's very um, it's very Moses-like, throwing a basket into a river. Um, and his dad, by the way, I don't know if you picked up on this, but uh, Penguin's father is played by Pee Wee Herman, um, Paul Rubens. Oh, no, I didn't. I did yeah. not. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, nice yeah, one. So, well, that's my, that's my eight, so um, I'll, I'll pass over to you. Uh, my number eight is another animated film. Actually, the next – I've got a couple of animated films on the list. Um, this one came out 2017, I want to say, maybe 2018. can't remember exactly. Um, it's another Justice League film. It's called Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Um, so this was the final chapter in the kind of 10 to 12-year animated film series. They did a bunch of them, and they were all kind of interwoven and tied in, starting with Flashpoint. That was the first one, I think, that kind of launched it. And Apocalypse War is the last chapter. Um and what happens in this one, and Batman's not a huge player in this one, but it's such a fun movie um, and Batman's role is very interesting that I do like it. So this kind of feels like what the next Justice League movie was supposed to be by Zack Snyder. What happens is the film opens, Darkseid is launching an attack, the Justice League get to Apocalypse first to stop him and it's a bait and switch. Like they don't realise that um, Darkseid has planned for it and the, the Justice League get like wiped out. Everyone gets either killed or enslaved. Um, and the only one of the only people who survives is John Constantine. Um, who, if you don't know, is a British, he's a British character, but he was played by Keanu Reeves. He's a bit of an occult detective type character um, and a bit of a magician. So that's in the first like five minutes of the movie, and then we flash forward like five years, and like Earth is under Darkseid's control, 
people are either dead or dying or hiding, just trying to escape these like waves of parademons coming down. And John Constantine is just constantly trying to get drunk in a bar. Um, he's then visited by Raven from the Teen Titans and Superman. Um, Superman is beard and no longer super because what happened was um, Darkseid held Superman prisoner and gave him a kryptonite tattoo on his chest, which prevents him from using his powers. Um, so that's the universe we're living in. Um, and it's kind of like a last battle cry film where they're like, we just need to get, if we can just get enough forces together, we might be able to stop Darkseid. And they ultimately eventually arrive at, at Apocalypse to fight him. And it's revealed that the rest of the Justice League have been enslaved. So um, Diana, um, Wonder Woman, uh, Cyborg, and a couple other people have been turned into like these weird cyborg characters where they've been fused with um, Apocalypse, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to find? Like machinery, and they've been ensla- like enslaved. And then we find out that Batman is now Darkseid's right-hand man. He's been mind-watched and he's kind of like, helping control everything and they have to break Bruce free so that they can stop Darkseid. Um, so Batman has a relatively small role in this, um, but I love the performance so much. I love the idea of Batman being brainwashed and being like an evil henchman, plus everything else going on in this movie. Like it's just so epic. I think it's this is one of those kind of first 90-minute animated films they did, director DVD, um, but it's just so fun and wild and it does really seem like this is kind of a little bit where Zack Snyder was heading, you know, um, based on the information we've heard on those leaked storyboards and stuff that it was meant to end in part two of Justice League was meant to, you know, Earth enslaved by Apocalypse and Darkseid, and then part three was them coming back to try and you know, save the world. Um, and it's got so yeah, many characters. Yeah. It's got like 100 characters in it. Um, it's really, really fun, really um, dark and, and epic and um, is a wonderful final chapter for that animated universe. And... Um, yeah, you get Batman kind of being a bad guy for a little bit. So I, I, I like it a lot. Um, yeah, and Batman was that sounds vo- really good. Yeah, it's, it is. It was voiced, uh, Batman was voiced by Jason O'Mara. So not a huge name that a lot of people would know, but he's voiced Batman more often than not over the last 10 years. So when Kevin Conroy is doing it or like a celebrity isn't doing it, he's kind of been the main animated voice for Batman in those movies. So um, and gives a really good performance. Yeah, awesome. No, that sounds awesome. And I think that like... Um, my uh, my lack of exposure to a lot of those animated films is, is showing here because, again, I haven't seen that one. But um, uh, I, I love, like, um, I think you, it sounds exactly like, as you were saying, like where the Snyder films looked like they were going. And it just, like, makes me sad again to see that that, that vision couldn't come true mm. or couldn't come to fruition. Uh, but I'll tell you what, like, in absence of a Snyder film, this is pretty good. Like, you know... We don't get that grand epic scope. We're not getting that four-hour, you know, visual feast. We're not getting Ben Affleck, but we're getting a lot of cool DC characters with very little setup required and still a very cool-looking story, and it's dark. Like it's, I think it's rated MA, which is very rare for those animated films, um, mm. but they made it brutal. Um, as I said, like, one of my favourite things in that movie is the dark side literally kidnapped Superman, gave him a kryptonite tattoo so he couldn't use his powers anymore, and, like, it's a real insult to injury because it's the Superman shield on his chest. Um, so, like, I love that, like, he's so cruel. He's literally mocking him with his own symbol. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's good, good fun. Let's, right. uh, let's hear number seven. Uh, here's the first animated entry on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film I watched upon your recommendation um, a few years ago and... Since then, I've, I've watched it. It's, it's been a semi-regular rewatch. Um, 
uh, Batman the Killing Joke. Oh, nice one. Yeah. And so, again, I won't um, push you for a contribution if it, in case it appears a bit higher on your list, but, uh, man, is this film dark. <laughs> um, I love that, uh, you know, you could also classify the first third as also a Batgirl film as well. Um, a lot of people Babs. had problems with that part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Babs Gordon. Uh, well, I mean, you can probably elaborate on that, but I don't know if that's from some, you know, knowledge of of um, the comic books and whether it's accurate or something like that. And you could probably provide a bit more context for the setting of that um, mm-hmm. because, again, I, I don't, I don't um, have a lot of knowledge of, of the comics. Um, but is one of my all-time favourite um, Batman and Joker interactions and, and obviously the classic pairing of Conroy and Hamill back for his portrayal of the Joker. Definitely. Um, and it gives me massive Mask of the Phantasm vibes as well, yeah. set in like, you know, he's got the, the back half that's set in that abandoned um, uh, like entertainment park. Um, yeah, I... I I don't know. I don't know if I've got too much more to say about uh, this. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on the killing joke? I like it a lot. Um, I, so a lot of people had problems with this, with this movie. And the reason being is the book is so revered. Now, first of all, I like the book. I think the book is, has been put on a pedestal. Cause the first time I read, it, I was like, okay, like, and like, I'm not criticizing. Like it's written by Alan Moore who gave us the Watchmen from hell, V for Vendetta. Like, Every like swamp thing, like Alan Moore's a hell of a writer, and it's a great Batman story. Um, but it's one of those books that you know, because it's been so revered for so long, it has been, it's you know, did the thing that you didn't necessarily know you wanted or needed, and that's an origin for the Joker. Now, I still like my joke without an origin story. Um, but that being said, it's like if you're going to give him one, this is a pretty good one. Um, there's no Batgirl stuff in the book except for what happens to her when the Joker kills her, or not kills her when he shoots her in the spine. Um, yep. which was horrifying to read, you know, like, and horrifying to see as well. Um, so a lot of people had problems with that movie because Batman sleeps with Batgirl. Um, and, you know, in the in the comics, he's always been more of a fatherly figure to her. Like, um, he's not as old as Jim Gordon, obviously, but at the same time, there is definitely a bit of a age gap. And when they start working together, she's not, a t- she's not so much a child, but she's definitely a teenager when they first start working together. So a lot of people had problems with that. Plus, you know, she's meant to be, partnered up with dick grayson or any other kind of characters so i think a lot of people didn't like that me i didn't care i was like you know what like we've never seen a batman movie where he you know gets down with someone in a costume before you know yeah um yeah and i did uh, i did kind of like the idea how it was like you know he was her mentor and she kind of bought into it she's like oh you know i i love him you know I, i didn't mind it as much and also it does give you a bit more of an emotional payoff at the end of the movie when she does get shot because now he feels more responsible. Like he's kind of been trying to stop her from getting involved and like he's friends with Jim Gordon. Now he's, his daughter's been hurt on his, on Bruce's watch and stuff like that. So I did like that. Um, and also without it, you don't have a movie. Like it doesn't run long enough to be a movie because yeah. it's quite a short story. And well, I mean, I love the juxtaposition of you've got the, the Batman in this iteration who wants to, kind of settle things with the Joker. I mean, if you can recall, he actually goes to Arkham to to talk things out with the Joker and basically say, like, look, if we keep going this way, one of us is going to have to kill the other one. You know, can we talk this out? And so you've got his, you know, his want to just sort of 
settle this dispute with words and then you've got a real evil version of the Joker in this. I mean, Joker can be portrayed as being a bit more, uh, you know, in some of, the, some of the more recent film portrayals is a bit of a badass, obviously, but uh, some, of the, some of the animated series um, is a bit more of a Joker. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, but, but, you know, he um, paralyzes Babs and then they sort of kidnap um, the, the Commissioner Gordon and just torture him, like mentally mm. he disintegrates and um, it's, yeah, it is fucking dark, that film. It really is. And there's a great thing in the book which doesn't isn't painted so obviously in the movie um, from what I remember. It's been a little while since I've seen it. But in the book, um, although it's not explicitly said, the last scene or the last panels are, joke, you know, Joker tells a joke and he laughs and then Batman laughs. And it's a really creepy ending because you don't you're not used to Batman laughing. In the comics, the way the panels work is Joker starts laughing, then Batman starts laughing, then they both start laughing, and then only Batman's laughing. And what that implies to me, and, and you know, I'm not saying this is right, and I'm not saying you know, I'm sure a lot of people hear this be like you're wrong. If Batman's the only one laughing, you know. He killed the Joker. Like that's what's happened. He's broken his neck. Like mm. that's what it kind of feels like to me in the comics. So yeah. and it's in the title, the killing joke. Like so, the idea that Batman finally has snapped. He's like, that's it. I'm ending this. Um, even if it's not true, I like that version. Um, I think I first heard that theory from Grant Morrison, who's a very famous Batman writer, and I like that idea a lot. I'm like, yeah, like what if he did go over the edge? What if he did push himself? You know, just a little bit too far. Um, yeah, yeah, and it is an ambiguous ending like that. Mm. Um, it's a great, it's a great animated flick. It's definitely underrated. I think a lot of people, because it has such high expectations, they were disappointed by it. But there's no reason to be. It's really good. All righty. Well, that's me. Nice one. Um, number seven for me is another animated film. Um, this one is called Justice League Doom. You can see they're all Justice League films because I like the way Batman works in with those teams and how he interacts with other characters. Um, Justice League Doom is based on a comic book written by Mark Wade called The Tower of Babel. And basically what the Justice League discovers is that Batman um, in secret has been hoarding preventative measures from stopping other members of the Justice League. They learn that he's, you know, he doesn't trust anyone in his Batcave. He's got kryptonite. He's got ways to power down Martian Manhunter and Cyborg and everyone. I think Cyborg, I can't remember if he's in the film or not. It's been a little while. But basically he's come up with the nuclear deterrent. If I need, if the Justice League turn, I can stop them. And then what happens is someone finds and starts taking out members of the Justice League. Um, it turns out the, I think the Legion of Doom, if I remember, have found Batman's stash of how to stop the Justice League, and they start taking them all out. And they want to kind of replace him as the them as the heroes. Um, and then the Justice League have to crawl their way back and try and you know, you know, punch evil in its face and stop it. Um, I love that concept. I love the fact that you know. His Batman's own um, own ambition and desire to do the right thing has driven a wedge between him and the Justice League. Because again, we were, I've said a few times now, he's a man amongst gods, like he needs to have preventative measures. And he even says at one point in the, in the movies, like, "Do you, you know, do you guys have preventative measures for me?" And they're like, "No." And he goes, "Well, you should." Like, what happens if I'm compromised? Uh, it's a great Batman line. Um, and uh, look, I don't have too much to say on this one. It has been a little while since I watched it. Kevin Conroy is also Batman in this as well. And I'm pretty sure uh, Nathan Fillion is Green Lantern, if I remember. 
Um, but it's um, it's great. It's just again, it's a really fun idea. You know, I'm, you know we always like see, seeing heroes kind of fight each other, but just the idea that like Batman has is, he's prepared for everything except for the possibility of someone mm-hmm. stealing his preventative measures. Um, yeah, and kind of and chaos ensues. No, that that sounds like actually a really cool premise, and I guess that rings true for a few different iterations of of Batman's because it doesn't um, Ben Affleck's Batman have a line where he's talking to Alfred and he says, if there's a, even a 5% chance that Superman's here to take over the world, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's just 1%, but yeah, you're absolutely well, right. Well, there, there you go. He's not he's, very he's a, trusting. <laughs> he's a man who plays the percentages, that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I guess that theme rings true across a few different iterations of Batman. But no, that sounds really cool. All of yours sound very cool, mate. I'll have to get on, get on these animated films. I um, I know this is not a visual medium, but I will show you what I've got because I bought this a few years back. And uh, pardon me as I step away from the mic. They actually released an animated box set. So, oh, cool. Um, yes, yeah, so it's the DC Universe um, anniversary collection, and it's got. I don't even know how many movies are in it, but most of the ones I'm referencing are in this, um, including like Killing Joke and stuff like that as well. So, um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So you're definitely welcome to peruse. Yeah, I usually just have to get mine off the old iTunes download. <laughs> Excellent. Take me to number like, six. We're only halfway. We're not even halfway through our list yet. That's right. We like to be thorough. That's it. <laughs> You can always tell if I haven't seen one in a while because my comments are, like, not very specific. Um, number six for me is my first Christopher Nolan entry. Oh, okay. I'm going sh- to shock you that they're not the top three. <laughs> um, and that would be The Dark Knight Rises. Um, okay. So the third and concluding movie of his trilogy. Um, what can I say about The Dark Knight Rises? I left the cinema thinking I just witnessed utter perfection. <laughs> um <laughs> and I think that as I've, you know, lived with it for probably the it's scary how long it's been out, it's probably been almost 10 years now. 10 years um, this year, yeah. It, 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 it is a bit messy. It's definitely not as refined a vision as the previous two uh, films in his. Um, I, I know people, some people, uh, Bane is really divisive as a villain. Um, I know some people love what Tom Hardy was doing. For me, like I couldn't get past the voice. Um, it, I, I was just thinking, why couldn't you have just made it like 10% clearer? <laughs> um, but having said that, you know, I, there are some absolutely like great moments in this. Like I, I, I actually love all the weird um, Middle Eastern prison scenes that he's in. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how realistic it is when he has his back broken and then he just recovers by doing push-ups. But <laughs> I, love the, I love the leap of faith uh element to it um and it's only when he takes the rope off that he can make the jump that's all fantastic um i think no i'd love to get your opinion actually on um on this version of catwoman i don't know do you think Anne hathaway uh, to me i think her character could have um, been developed a little bit further I, i don't think she leaves as much of a mark as catwoman should on this film i agree um i remember i remember being so excited when they announced Anne Hathaway because after Dark Knight I was saying to them like next film they should do Catwoman and I think they should choose Anne Hathaway I think she'd be a great choice so it was one of the first times I dabbled with you know casting predictions and I was so like <laughs> happy I'd got it right I think she's I, I think Anne Hathaway is great in this film 
Um, one of my favourite moments is when they're in the bar and, like, she kidnapped the the um, politician or whatever and then the police storm in it and she goes and does that whole pretend scream and cry and yes. turns up. Like, that to me is, like, is perfection. Like, what a great um, performance. Her performance is, is like, also when... Um, when Bruce Wayne stumbles upon her the first time and she's like, um, she's caught. And then she's like, oops, I didn't know it was supposed to be unbreakable. Like um, <laughs> she's got some really great lines, really great deliveries. She's not Catwoman to me in this movie. Not really. Like they focus a lot on the hot, on the Selena Kyle of it all, which I'm fine with. Like, you know, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about other Selena Kyle's at some point in, in this conversation. Um, there's a lot of kind of year one vibes for her Catwoman, which is kind of like before she becomes Catwoman. But um, she never seems to earn Bruce's trust, but he continues to trust her throughout the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've got mixed feelings on it. Like, um, although I do like there's also that scene in the tunnels when she, when, the, when Bane, Batman goes to fight Bane for the first time, and we'll talk about that because what a great scene, but where she and Batman are taking out henchmen as they're trying to get to Bane, it's in the dark, and very reminiscent of a scene that we that's in the new Batman movie as well, like just, guns firing and, and kind of mm. creating light, a bit of a light show. Um, but, yeah, so I do like her performance. I think she does some really um, interesting and fun stuff. But as a Catwoman, she probably misses the mark a little bit for me. And it's not her, just the way the story was written. It wasn't really, you know, they wanted to throw an extra villain from the sounds of it, but they didn't really kind of really care how Batman, bat, kind of Catwoman accurate she was. So. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... Again, maybe you'll need to um, weigh in in terms of the, the whether this is canon or not. But um, like Raz Al Ghul and crowbarring in Talia Al Ghul into the story, you know, are they affiliated with Bane? Uh, was he, you know, all, all, all that stuff about the like um, the the child in the prison being Talia Al Ghul? I don't know if that's story accurate, but it just felt all a bit messy. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um... I like Bane. I actually, I actually really like Tom Hardy's Bane in this. Um, I do like the voice, um, I, especially because for the the you know the next six months after seeing it, all I did was try to do that voice and annoy my wife. Um, so I did like you know I, I did like doing that. Um, in the comics, Bane was born in prison. That is accurate, um, and he was serving a sentence like his mother committed or something. It was like some weird like comic book line where his mother died in prison, so the baby had to serve the sentence. But like um, you know, and then he we gets should have that now. He gets hooked up on this drug called venom, um, which turns him into like he you know kind of he pushes his chest and goes into his veins and becomes that monster, um, which I think they referenced in this new Batman film. There is a moment, spoilers, where Batman has to put a green liquid into his body to kind of, as a bit of an adrenaline pump, and I think it was meant to be venom, um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, like their origins weren't so tied in. Like Talia is absolutely a character. Um, Rachel Ghul is the head of um, the League of Assassins, or the League of Shadows, whatever you want to call them. Um, and he is a more of a mystical character. Like he's been around for centuries. Like every time he dies, he gets thrown something called the Lazarus Pit. Um, it's got like these rejuvenating waters that bring him back to life. But they take a piece of him each time. Like he's far more unstable each time he comes out. Um, and his daughter is um, like the world's greatest assassin. Like she's kind of like. Um, she becomes the head of the League of Assassins and she's more of a ninja, um, which I think was really missing from this movie. Like, if you think about Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul is absolutely a warrior. Like, you know, um, there's that whole kind of misdirect where 
he goes by the name Henry Descartes and things like that. But he trains Batman. In this film, I get no no idea that Talia was taught by her father. Like she just seems like a businesswoman. Um, mm-hmm. Not a complaint. That you know. Um, uh, oh my goodness, I've forgotten her name. Um, who plays Talia again? My, my brains. Oh, um, I know. I, she's yeah. French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I help you? Uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm on the tip of my tongue, M. There's like an M in there somewhere. Well, I'll tell you. I've got my Blu-ray here. I should just look it up. What, what great listening for the audience. Let me just figure out <laughs> what her name is. I can't think. Marion Coltiard. Yes, there you go. Yes. Great, great actress. Like really wonderful performance. Just to me, again, like, just kind of like Catwoman wasn't really Talia. It was more just like, look, let's give them a name. Um, let's give them a name that the, the, the fans know and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah she's, she's a bit of a strategist, you know. Obviously, she figured out, like, how to trick Bruce Wayne. Stuff. So I do like that. But I want to see the warrior. I want to see the woman who's, like, leading an army of ninjas with swords, taking the city, that kind of thing. Um, very much like Elektra and the hand in Daredevil. Like, that's kind of mm. a bit of a parallel. I'm sure everyone listening is like, no, it's not. I'm just trying to, you know, compare <laughs> yeah 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 i think um sounds like i've had a few negative things to say on this movie but you know there are like christian bale which i'm sure we'll talk more about christian bale so i don't want to touch on him too much but he's fantastic and i think we get some absolute primo uh uh what's his name jeff oh, Lovett. yes yes yeah, yeah sorry um as, as john blake um, yeah, but also is he kind of Robin? I don't know. That was another thing at the end I would have loved some clarity on. I hated that. <laughs> I um, Yeah, look, I, um, you know, I, I always talk on this show about it. There's no bad movies. I don't hate anything. Um, but for me, that just kind of felt like a bit of a cop-out. Like, if he's Robin, just call him Dick Grayson. Like, why couldn't he be Dick Grayson? Like, it just felt like they want to give you a twist ending. Um, yeah, yeah. But there was no payoff because, like, the whole idea was like, oh, and well, now he's going to become Batman, but they didn't make any more Batman movies. So um, he could have, you know, it could, he could have easily been like, cause Dick Grayson, you know, is a police officer in some, in some storylines. So you could have done that. Um, but, you know, it's because like, I think for the most part of making this film, Chris Nolan was like, oh, we'll never do Robin. So it was kind of like, and then they did do it. So well, I, yeah. I, I do like the film quite a bit. I've obviously criticized a little bit as well. I do have a lot of problems with it. Um, not seeing Batman for the first 45 minutes is a big problem. Like, you know, like uh, this is another film that fetishizes the villain. We spent a lot of time with Bane. Um, mm. That being said, that scene where like Batman fights Bane for the first time, maybe one of my favorite Batman fights. Um, yeah. It is just so brutal and it's really, um, and you know, you, we're so used to, Christian Bale's Batman just being the top dog in any of those fist fights. Like you can generally win most fist fights fairly easy and he is dismantled in front of our very eyes. Uh, and the sound design in that scene where you just hear the water and like, you know, fist pummeling flesh, like that is mm. all you hear. Um, and even, you know, Selena Kyle at a certain <laughs> point realizes she's stuffed up. She's like, oh, I shouldn't have brought him down here. Um, and then the, the rematch, you know, seeing Batman in broad daylight fighting in the snow um, and you see, like, Bane go kind of berserk where he just, like, tears, like, a chunk out of a yeah. pylon. Like, there's some really good fight stuff in there. Um, I like Scarecrow's appearance in this. I know some people think it's a bit hokey, 
when he becomes like the judge and like he's sending everyone yes. out to exile. Yeah. Like, what a great idea! Like, that was a really good use of a kind of like character who didn't need a big role. We just want to throw him in there. Like, that was a great use of it. And you know, the biggest criticism a lot of Batman films have is a third act is often a mess, and we'll talk about that more, I'm sure. Uh, and B is that it's generally overcrowded with villains. And whilst this film does have a lot of villains in it, for the most part, I think their payoffs are pretty good. Like Bane is done well. Scarecrow is used, you know, is used well. I would have liked more from Selena Kyle and um, and uh, Talia, but they don't feel like they overstayed their welcome. They they serve they all serve a purpose. Yep. And uh, last little thing I'll touch on is um, this is one of the all time great Gary Oldman performances as well. I really believe that he is on fire. He's we've had a lot of good Gordons. He's probably my favourite. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I really like Jeffrey Wright as well. Um, and I, I love that relationship um, that he has with Batman. Um, but, Jim, yeah, but Gary Oldman, even, and even, you know, I would have loved more um, J.K. Simmons, which I think we are going to get now. I think he is going to be showing up in, in that Batgirl movie as well. Um, but the one thing they really nailed with casting, maybe out of everyone in that trilogy of the Nolan films, is um, Gary Oldman's Gordon. It's just pitch perfect. It's exactly what you want from Gordon. Um, yeah. It's a good flip. It's not on my list. Yeah. (laughs) On to you, my friend. Um, Have I mentioned I like animated films? (laughs) Um, Number six might come as a bit of a surprise. And the first time I watched it, I wasn't sold on it. But having rewatched it many times since, it's absolutely a top ten film for me. Um, And it's the Lego Batman movie Um, with uh, Will Arnett voicing uh, Batman. And then you've got Zach Galifianakis as the Joker. Ray Fiennes, if I remember correctly, is Alfred. Um, Michael Sarah is Robin. It's it's really fun. It does something with Batman that is very very hard to do, and that's have a good time. Um, like Batman is is a very stoic, dark, grounded, serious character, and jokes often don't work in the Batman universe. But this Lego Batman movie is really really fun. Um, the jokes are great. Michael Sarah like chews the scenery as Robin, like as just this bright-eyed like little boy, um, <laughs> just wants to. Yeah, he's like always ripping off his pants so he can wear tights. Um, what else can I say about? It? Um, it's heartfelt. Like it is beautiful. Some of the um, some of the emotional core of that film, like they really get into the the psyche of Bruce Wayne of why is he isolated? Why does he continue to be alone? Like obviously he's very. Um, cocky in this movie and you see Batman just going around like he's the best he's you know no one's as good as Batman and then you find out like the Justice League always hangs out without him because he's so arrogant and like Gotham doesn't really like him because he's that because of his arrogance um but you know they really yeah really dive into what it means to be isolated and what was the toll there which is really advanced and really kind of some deep thinking for a cartoon movie for children like um the voice performances are excellent. Like the cast is huge. There's so many people. Um, I can't even like name everyone who plays a uh, plays a character, but they've got just about every villain in there. It's all comedians. I feel like from Comedy Bang Bang and how um, and how did this get made? Like all those guests seem to show yeah, up, which yeah. is great. Um, I love that it explores the relationship between Batman and Joker, where Joker's like we talked about before um, in Killing Joke, how Batman's like, can we just talk before we kill each other? And in this movie, Joker's like we complete each other. Like we are yin and yang. Like 
I need you and you need me without each other like Gotham doesn't work um so it's real it's it's really fun um it's really underrated I know it's a lot of people rank it highly but I feel like it doesn't get talked I think I talked about it a lot when it came out and no one's talked about it since then so I just <laughs> want to keep that that alive because it is a really good film one of my favorite jokes um, in the entire movie is in the opening scene. There's two pilots flying a plane and they don't realise the Joker's on board yet. And um, they're talking about something and one of the pilots just goes, oh, I'm a failure at my job and a failure in my life. And it's just so real. And, like, I've never related more to, so, like, to someone's just, like, apathy. Um, it's genius. Um, I've got nothing but praise for this film. It's, it's really, really great. I... Uh, I- uh, alas, have not seen it. It's um, it's definitely worth a spin. It's um, and I remember the first time I watched it, like afterwards, because my because my wife loved it, and she was she was like, "What do you think?" I was like, "Ah, oh, it's a bit jokey." And she goes, "Yeah, James was a Lego film." I was like, "Yeah, but like Batman shouldn't be jokey." Like, that was my take, my original take on the Lego Batman film. Yeah, yeah. And then on rewatching, I was like, <laughs> "I was an idiot. This is great." Um, yeah. And um, yeah. So it's definitely an all-time top ten film for me. Yeah, yeah. It's good to fit in some levity and brevity into our Batman watching as well. One of my favourite scenes in it actually is they talk about his history and they recreate all the movie posters with Lego minifigs. So you'll see like the 89 Batman, like the Chris Nolan Batman, there's Batman fighting Superman. He's talking about all his villains and one was like Superman for some reason. He's like, <laughs> and then at one point um, I had a really weird face and it just cuts like a clip of Adam West dancing. Um, it's genius. <laughs> um yeah, that's my number six. I don't have much more to say about it, especially if you haven't seen it. Like, um, I, I yeah, yeah. But um, it's a fun one. I would absolutely recommend it. Like, and again, I talked about it before. Like, one day I'll show my daughter these films. That one's definitely gonna be an easy watch. That feels like the entry point to me. Yeah, I was, as I was saying, I'm like, why did I say Batman Forever? I should have said <laughs> yeah. Lego Batman. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I think I'll start off on the Batman. <laughs> So um, you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, you will enjoy it or else. What is number five for you, my friend? Well, I've got back-to-back Nolan. Uh, so my fifth favourite Batman film is Batman Begins. So obviously the beginning point for Christian Bale's Batman mm-hmm. and slash Christopher Nolan as well. Um, one of my absolute favourite depictions of the origins of Batman, um, obviously we get the oft-depicted... <laughs> Uh, death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Um, but I I love what happens to the character. I love the bitterness that you can see growing um, in Bruce Wayne. And I just love that scene where he actually turns up to just kill, is it Joe Chill? Yeah. And someone uh, does does the job for him and then he, um, is yeah, at that point Katie Holmes is in the film. So I, I, I always forget that she's not consistently in them. Um, and, and then he actually has the gun there and she gives him a big old slap for doing that. What a great moment. But it, yeah. it is fantastic. And then this, this uh, I can't remember if we're given a, a total of the amount of years he's gone, but he goes on this sojourn of just punishing himself and just trying to destroy crime anywhere he can, um, which leads him to this Chinese mountain. And his encounter with Ra's al Ghul and, and it is, yeah. Um, I think Christian Bale is, what a perfect choice for Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you stand on, um, on your list of Batman, 
But um, I think he's, yeah, definitely right up there for me. And I think he's uh, one of the few who's absolutely nailed the, the Bruce Wayne part. As yeah, well as I would agree. The Batman. I, th- I think that what a lot of people who are depicting Bruce Wayne, they, they can be a bit self-serious, but I think one thing that Christian Bale does so well is there's a layer of like you can tell he's putting on the persona yes, of the, the billionaire playboy and you can see through that into like the, the sort of misery that underlies him. Um, so, again, yeah, not, not sure if you wanted if this is on your list and you want to go over any points now. I'm going to put a pin on Batman Begins because that's going to come back. That is going to come back later. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I've got a lot to um, say about Batman Begins, but I'll, I'll save it for a little bit later, yeah. <laughs> I'm also, well, I'll, I won't um, go into too much more detail on this one, but I, I'm also a massive, I'm a sucker for any uh, Wayne Manor scenes in Wayne Manor. So the fact that we get a whole finale, yes. we're not the, one of the, the, the party at the end and one of my all-time favourite Bruce Wayne moments, which is just goes to the, the heart of who he is, which is sacrificing his personality. Sick of fans Yes, exactly. It is my favourite Bruce Wayne moment in that trilogy. Um, yeah. What a great moment. Please leave. It's not a joke. Get yeah. out. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Your father um, of you. Oh, such a great yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah, it is fantastic. Um, I'd be remiss as well if I didn't give a shout-out to, um, to Michael Caine who is, yeah, I'd say he's probably my number one Alfred. If we were doing a podcast on ranking out Alfreds, he would <laughs> probably come in at number one for me. Um, so, yeah, look, again, I don't want to go over too much of this movie if we'll talk about it in greater depth shortly. So I'll leave it there. I will just um, add, because you mentioned Alfred um, and we talked about sycophants leave, just to, just to make sure that, like, you know, Michael Caine isn't leaving anything on the table either. His line was like, what's the point of all them bloody push-ups if you can't lift a log? Like, just yeah. exactly the right amount of sass you want from Alfred. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, fantastic film. Like, uh, a film that if, um, I mean, I'm never watching TV, but theoretically, if that came on, I'm watching. Yeah, I know I'm watching from anywhere in that film, so. Nice one. Um, I'll definitely be back to talk about Begins shortly. Um, my number five is the last animated film on my list. So it was, I think it was half and half. I think I had five live action, five animated. Um, I've cheated a little bit because this is a two-parter, but I'm putting them both on because it's one longer story. And that's The Dark Knight Returns, part one and part two. Um, animated adaptation of the Frank Miller graphic novel, which I mentioned before. Um, it was the first time we really saw what Bruce Wayne looks like or Batman looks like as an older man. It's, what inspired um, Dark Knight Rises and, and more importantly, or not importantly, but more obviously inspired Ben Affleck's Batman as well in BVS. Um, basically, there's been um, a, a, a law has been placed where superheroes are now banned. Um, and if, if anyone comes, if anyone you know, puts on a, a cape and cowl and starts fighting crime, the, the government's going to come after you. And the only exception is Superman who works for Ronald Reagan. Um, so it's set in the 80s. Um, and then Bruce is, uh, you know, he's, he's an older gentleman. He's in his like mid to late fifties. He catches up with Jim Gordon, who's now retired once a week, whatever. And they just talk about the old days. Um, and then Bruce starts to realize that Gotham 
has gotten worse. Like it was better and now it's going the other way again and no one's doing anything about it. So he then pulls on the tights again and starts fighting crime. It's very 80s. It was written in the 80s. So like the villain, the villains in the first book and the first movie are a gang called the Mutants um, where they all like shave their heads and have like mohawks and like piercings and they use weird futuristic uh, uh, language like slice and dice and, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, their leader is the mutant leader, who is very is very much like Bane, a very large um, figure who can physically outmatch Bruce, especially in his older age. Um, and then the, the film and the book, basically, you see Batman fighting four villains. So the first one is uh, is the mutant leader. Then you have Two Face. Then you have the Joker, and then you have Superman. Um, and the whole um, idea is like, what happens to a man who? just wants to be good again and it goes from him and they're just trying to save a city to basically total apocalypse because like the, the end of it is him fighting superman in the snow in the ash and he's wearing armor and he's got like kryptonite powers and uh the government's <laughs> after me it's epic like it really is it's vo- uh, batman's voiced by peter weller um more commonly known to most people as robocop um which is great casting you've got ariel winter from modern family playing carrie kelly the first female robin um You've got Michael Emerson from Lost, and he was also in the very first Saw film, playing the Joker. Um, it's great. It's it's very violent. It's very dark. There's um, probably the most famous scene from the movie and, and from the books as well is the Joker story because Joker's been gone as well. Like after Batman went away, Joker had nothing to do, so he kind of went to like this retirement home. It's kind of like it's kind of like Arkham Asylum, but more like a old age asylum where he's getting medicated and like, he's got people who who like him, you know, trying to just, you know, help him get back on track. Um, and then when Batman comes back, when he returns after his 20 year absence, the Joker comes alive again and like, Oh, we'll get Joker onto a talk show and he can talk about how he's brutalized by the Batman. And the first thing he does is poison the entire audience. Like (laughs) he like kills the audience. He kills like a David Letterman type host. Um, and the therapist who was so invested in him. And then, um, he kind of reigns war on this amusement park and like he's killing, he's hurting children and like he's killing people like left and right. And Batman chases him down in this very um, famous sequence in a tunnel of love ride. And like Joker's shooting people wildly and Batman, like he's sick of it. He's like, he's like, no more, that's it. And whips a batarang into the Joker's eye and then like shivs him a bunch uh, <laughs> and breaks his neck. Um, it's, uh, no, sorry, I tell a lie. Joker shivs Batman and then Batman headbutts him and then Joker breaks his own neck because um, he pushes him too far. Um, yeah. It's, like, it's, I remember the first time I'm like, this is dark. It's not. It's like this wild opera of, like, you know, starting with a very small story that becomes this crazy ride. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, the book is worth it. I read the book once every other year easily, so it's very re- um, re-readable, even though it was set in the 80s and very 80s influenced. Um, it's just a great, great Batman story. Um, and again, Robocop playing Batman, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you sorry, you mentioned that this, uh, when you were doing your um, first talking about this film, um, what, what did you say this had influenced directly? I think you did name a couple of... So The Dark Knight Rises, um, it influenced. So The Mutant Leader, I mean, look, Nolan has a kind yeah, of... Yeah, I can see it. But the mutant yeah, leader. I can see that because he's obviously a broken human at the start of Dark Knight Rises. 
Yeah, he's been in hiding, that kind of thing, because the end of you know Dark Knight, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, he's on the run, so he's been in hiding, and then you know he's broken. Like we even see in Dark Knight Rises, he has to get like a magic strap to fix his broken leg and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then the first time he fights this new physical opponent, he just can't handle it. He's he's older, he's broken, um, but then he overcomes. But more so, and even like um, there's that scene in Dark Knight Rises when Batman first comes out, and like the cops like you're in for a show, kid. Like that's straight from the comic book. Um, mm-hmm. But more directly, Batman versus Superman, um, which I'm sure I, I imagine we'll probably talk about at some point. Um, but can neither confirm lot, nor deny that it, this like that book is directly in, uh, in direct influence of that movie. There's so many like panels recreated because that's what Zack Snyder does. He takes panels and then recreates them. Um, mm-hmm. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, you can watch them. You know, it is in two parts. So you can watch them. You know, separately or do what I do and just knock them out back to back. And then you are getting a two-and-a-half-hour Batman movie, uh, which is very enjoyable. Um, it's good stuff. Shall I? Go for it. Number four. What are we up to? Four. Well, the second animated entry on my list, um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Absolutely. Now, this is, um, again, just a, a bit of personal history with this film, but, again, this is something that, uh, I had on VHS as a child growing up. So this was my, t- my two avenues to Batman were, were Val Kilmer <laughs> in Batman Forever and, um, and Mask of the Phantasm. And this is, um, you know, just as a starting point, I'd have to say this is probably my favourite depiction of Gotham. I think it's they absolutely nail the criminal underbelly and just how corrupt Gotham is. Mm. Um, I think, like, uh, you, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first Kevin Conroy outing as? No. As so the animated series came first and then Mark of the Phantasm ah, was okay. written. Um, because the show was so successful, they were doing a direct, that, it was actually going to be a direct-to-video release. And they're like, look, this show is huge. Why don't we release it theatrically? And it came out on Christmas Day in 1993, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. So probably, like, also hot on the heels of the two Tim Burton films as well. So it was yeah. really Batman fever. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, again, um, one of my all-time favourite um, Joker sequences as well at the end. It's, it's campy Joker. Um, mm. I will just forever, I'll never forget him. I, this is really specific, so I don't know if you know the film this well, but there's a bit when he's just like, he's, like, um, he's in a haunted house thing and, like, there's a robot that just chops and, it, like, he yeah. has it preparing his dinner, yeah. <laughs> um, which really makes me laugh. Um, honestly, I, I probably can't wax lyrical too much on this film because I haven't rewatched it in quite a while. So some of the specifics of the storyline, but again, we get that absolute heartbreak for for Bruce Wayne of you know giving his heart to someone, and then it turns out that they're, they're uh, I guess equally as equally as twisted and out for revenge as he is. Mm. Um, but yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough of this film. I think for anyone who uh, you know, I almost think this is like the perfect little like 90-minute snapshot of like, tell me about Batman. This is almost what I'd present to them. Yeah, definitely. I actually rewatched this the other night because I hadn't seen it in quite a while. Um, and you actually introduced me to this film. I'd known about it, but when we first started hanging out, um, Batman animated stuff was pretty hard to come by here in Australia. America, I think, was a bit easier, but you couldn't get the animated series on DVD. You could get like episodes but even that was going back a few years and the movies were hard to come by as well. Um, 
And then a couple of years ago, they did a big old Blu-ray box set of everything. So you've got all the animated stuff, Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero as well, which is a Mr. Freeze movie. Um, so I snapped that up, obviously, as soon as I could. Um, I do like Master of the Phantasm quite a bit. It's not on my list, um, which I know is controversial. I know people listening are going to be outraged. Um, I just saw it too late, you know. Like, I like it quite yeah. a bit. But by the time I saw it, I'd seen other films that had kind of filled those nostalgia gaps for me. Um, it's, a, it's not a bad movie. Like, as I said before, I love every Batman movie. It's just not in my top ten. But, um, yeah, the Andrea Beaumont story, which is um, his lost love, is really wonderful. Um, it's a love story. Like, it's a romantic film. That's what it is at heart. Um, but, you know, you've got Abe Vigoda playing, like, a, a criminal and stuff like that. And, yeah. Um, and um, obviously Mark Hamill's Joker um, mm. is always is always a win. So, and you know, yeah. Kevin Conroy, I don't want to take away from him. He's, you know, he has the heavy lifting of being Batman, um, who um, I remember listening to an interview a long time ago, and Kevin Conroy, when he was offered the role, I was like, oh, that's a bit boring. I'd rather be a villain. But he brings such emotional weight and gravitas to that role. Like, and he was the first one to change the voice as well. Oh, um, is that right? Oh, that's yeah. cool. Cool um, tidbit. And, um, do, again, do you know, was this Mark Hamill's first time playing the Joker or, or had he played him in the animated series beforehand? He'd done a couple of episodes as well. So they'd both um, played the role previously. Um, so they had a bit of practice and I think it was good timing because people were such fans of them. I'm trying to think whether Harley Quinn had been created at this point or not because Harley was created on the show, not in the comics. It's very rare that the character doesn't appear in the comics first, but she showed, she was created first as just kind of like a henchman um, mm. and then became, you know, Harley Quinn later on. Because like, you, you mentioned that robot and, like, that is very, like, it's really funny. But part of me is like, I wonder why they didn't use Harley. Like, that seems like a good opportunity to kind of bring her in as well. But maybe they're like, look, we're trying to, you know, let's – crank it down like adding harley as well is gonna make it too crazy like let's yeah um so maybe that's why but it did seem like a missed opportunity but look i love master the phantasm i think it's a great film yeah um as i said i probably don't have too much more to add because i don't have a recent experience of watching it um so i'll uh hand over to you my good man all righty number four i think this is where the list is going to get particularly controversial for people um my number four batman film is the dark it's Knight. 10 o'clock I just had a computer freak out. Yeah. <laughs> broken technology. Um, okay, go. The Dark Knight. I love The Dark Knight. I want to make no bones about it. It is a masterpiece. It is a wonderful, wonderful film. One of the best movies made of all time. Not the best Batman story, though. And that's where this is. And like, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty. It had to be up there with me for me. Like, absolutely. It's so rewatchable. Um, that opening sequence we've talked about so many times in many conversations to start a Batman film in broad daylight. And then you just have that low whining in the background um, and shot in IMAX. And then you just see the explosion of the window breaking. And then that amazing sequence of different Joker henchmen killing each other um, as they prepare for the robbery until we get to the reveal of Joker. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, There's some really great lines in there. Um, the performances are great. The story is great. Like all Batman films, it does fall apart in the third act. Um, I think once the Joker leaves, the film feels like it's going on a bit long, like that whole two-faced resolution, but this is kind of where I lose a bit of interest. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think, I don't subscribe to the theory that it wouldn't be a good film without Heath Ledger. I think if you had a different actor in the role, it still would be a great movie. But when I, I've said it a number of times, like these Batman films fetishize the villains so much 
I don't care about Batman in this movie at all. Like, he's you know, he's he's good in it. Look, I don't want to get, get you wrong. He's got some some good moments and stuff, but like, he's always playing catch up. I don't really get to see you know the world's greatest detective. I don't get to see this hero he became at the end of Begins. Um, as far as movies go, I can't fault it. Like, it's pretty flawless. Like the car chase yeah. sequence, you know. They after Dark Knight, I was like, then like they never need to do another Batmobile chase sequence again. They've done them. Um, none of them as good as the one in Dark Knight between like, you know, laughter is the best medicine, but he changes it to slaughter and he has a rocket launcher and then like the Batmobile breaks down and then the Batpod comes out and like he's chasing down the truck and they flip the truck and they, you know, bring the helicopter down with the wires. Like it is a great movie, um, but it is absolutely Heath Ledger's movie. And that's the only reason why it ranks a little bit lower. Um, it's, as I said, it's very hard to fault. We get the, the bait and switch of Jim Gordon, like, is he dead? And then, no, he's not, and he's promoted to Commissioner Gordon. Um, there's a lot of wonderful stuff in this movie. It's brilliant, and it's, it's so rewatchable. But not yeah. much. But uh, Batman's not much of a player, in it. and that's the only reason why it sinks as low as it does. It's a great movie. Yeah. You make a, you make a pretty um, compelling few points there, and I think you, you actually struck on a really good point, which um, I, I guess I'd never really thought about but um i don't get the sense that christopher nolan was particularly interested in portraying the aspect or the the world's greatest detective aspect because i don't think that's really present in any of the films of his trilogy would you think yeah i agree it's you know like a lot of the other elements are there and uh, i'm not saying they're poor or for it but yeah i think that like you're right like you don't get like him investigating and i mean i guess he builds that wonder machine that lucius fox uses to like track like gps signals or whatever it is i don't want to pretend i remember <laughs> yeah no and then yeah lucius is, it doesn't like like every great scene in that movie i think of all my favorite scenes are joker scenes um with the exception maybe of batman in china when he breaks into the mm. the skyscraper and then uses the skyhook to get away that's a great scene um all of the best christian bale scenes are bruce wayne scenes you know, when he joins the tables with Harvey and and Rachel. Uh, I don't think they'll split the tables here. Oh, it's okay. I own the restaurant. Yeah, like, that, yeah. Like, whenever he's Bruce, like, again, the party scene um, when Joker shows up and then they're like, is that Bruce Wayne? And then he just leaves like, oh, my God, are you kidding? Like, he just he's hiding. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get dressed up. But, again, like, the thing that makes that movie work is, is the Joker. Like, that's um, – and, look, it's not a bad thing. Like, I'm glad – like, I'm thrilled we have that version of the Joker. It's arguably the best Joker we've ever had, maybe with the exception of Mark Hamill, you know, but live action, absolutely. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think Chris Nolan was that interested in in Batman in these movies, um, which is fine. But, you know, if I'm going to rank Batman movies, that's that's why it goes a bit lower. Um, mm, I yeah. get the feeling you'll probably want to talk about Dark Knight a bit more at some point. Yeah, I'm just trying to hold off on any actual opinions because it, it might appear in my list. I'm not too sure if it will or not. <laughs> uh, so that that's my controversial one. I think, I mean, well, everything moving forward now is going to be controversial because like, what, it's not number one? What beat it? Like, and Yeah, yeah, that's right. Really well, I think moving forward. <laughs> my, you know, when I get to the real pointy end of my list, people are going to be ripping their headphones out. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I'll, did you have anything else you wanted to add about 
your most hated film of all time, The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty good there. I, I will say I mentioned this for Dark Knight Rises, which isn't on my list, by the way. I'll, I'll put that out right now. Dark Knight Rises isn't, my, isn't on my list. Um, but what they did with Scarecrow, I liked what they did with him in this movie as well, bringing him back, having played a bit of a bit role to you know bring that connective tissue so we know it's an ongoing mm. story. Um, there's a lot of great things about that movie. It's a very, very strong film, um, and I do love it. So don't have yeah. too much internet. Um, my third favourite Batman film, and um, I'll openly admit I suffer a great deal from recency bias, <laughs> is The Batman. Mm. Um, I notice you haven't said anything yet, so... <laughs> um, what can I say about this film? It was really refreshing... Uh, it was it was the Batman film I didn't know I needed. Um, it was really refreshing to have something much more grounded, something based on, I mean, I've heard a lot of people using these comparisons, so I certainly won't claim them, but I've heard a lot of people comparing it to Seven, um, things like that. And, and it is, definitely I can see why, and, and also Zodiac. Yeah, definitely, those two films in particular. Yeah, and um, I think... Just the way that the, the plot unfolds, we get a lot of detective Batman, which I love. A little bit of creepy Batman while he's just like looking in chicks' windows. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the all-time great villain performances, in my opinion, in Paul Dano. I, they couldn't have picked a creepier bloke to play a, a, a grounded version of the Riddler, far cry from the great Jim Carrey's Riddler. Um, I think... Zoe is fantastic as Selena Kyle as well. I think her, they actually, you know, kind of like circling back to what we were talking about, maybe didn't work so well for Anne Hathaway. I think they actually, you know, wrote in something substantial for her to play with in this film. She's got a really good backstory and you, you know, you sort of, I'd, I'd almost say that they share equal, like herself and Robert Patton share equal billing in terms of the, the sort of dramatic weight of the film. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you, you touched on him before, Jeffrey Wright. I think you go straight into the pantheon of, of Gordon's, myself. Definitely. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I think after we saw, saw the movie together, I said they could have called that movie Batman and Jim because, like, it's <laughs> yeah. really those two on a journey together. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's fantastic. And I, I just I love the journey we see. Now, again, uh, I might defer to you very briefly here in terms of where this is most likely set in the canon. Uh, I've heard a lot of, is it is it year t- Batman Year 2? Is that the kind of rough? It is. Um, and it actually, they do, it is, there's a very brief shot in the movie very early on um, in the opening. Um, and spoilers, like, I'm going to talk about the Batman a bit more later as well. We are going to spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, stop, go see it, come back. Um, during his voiceover at the beginning, there's a a shot of him writing in a diary. When he closes the cover, it says year two on it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So yet is year two. Which brings me to my next great point. Good to see Batman keep up with his journaling. That's a big part of the comics that they've never really addressed in the movies before. Um, he does keep nightly journals and stuff and, you know, kind of tracks it. There's a great comic book run. I can't remember what it was. I think it was Cacophony maybe, or maybe Wide Ninja where, he brings a girl back to the Batcave and she knows he's Batman. And she like just opens up like a passage in the Batcave and there's just like 
bookcases full of journals. <laughs> like, yeah. Anna's kind of played for last, but then she's just like reading his notes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I just absolutely love the, the journey that this version of Batman goes on. Cause I mean, um, the, you know, the movie opens with this montage of criminals um, out at night in Gotham. And we hear this voiceover of, of Batman saying, I am vengeance. And, and that you can see the impact he's had on Gotham in the previous year. You know, all of these criminals are like looking into the shadows thinking Batman might be there. And then for, for one criminal group he is, and he beats the shit out of this guy. It is brutal. Um, and then again, you know, uh, don't want to spoil it, but then towards the end of the film, we see him, you know, have this revelation that he, he's seen the Riddler, uh, sort of claim the same thing, you know, like, uh, claiming that he's just justice on a corrupt society and all those shooters that are sort of, um, all the active shooters at the end, you know, he's seeing pretty much himself in that. And then we see him um, basically start to save people and, and go on that journey of being hope for Gotham because that's what mm. they need. And I thought that was an absolutely ripping way to end the film. It was really, really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've got a lot to say about Bat- the Batman. But yeah, I'm yeah. Wait a little bit. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to. I'm trying to leave something left on the. No, I don't worry. Don't worry about stepping on my toes. I'll, as, as people know from listening to the show, but I, I have a lot to say. So you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. And I, I really thought um, some some really great cameos here that just added a bit of weight to the film in in parts that they can probably like. Um, get wrong and I think it sort of loosens the dramatic grip the film hasn't you but I think John Turturro as Falcone or Falcone yep. I don't know this interchange it it's yeah. very interchangeable with his name uh and Scar and Peter Skarsgård as the district attorney as well just having those those really accomplished actors in those parts just kept kept the film really really tight in my opinion just absolutely um yeah kept kept you in the whole time. I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's probably all I've got. I'm sure when, when we, if we talk about it in a few minutes time, I'll, I'll probably uh, think of a few extra things to say, but no, nah, really, really the, the, the Batman film I needed right now, I think that we'd almost hit this crescendo of what you can even, what does a film mean when you have these CGI battles in the third act you know it's it they can get a bit monotonous i think and and this was the complete opposite of that i agree absolutely yeah it's it's almost like the avengers effect like after end games like, well, where do you go i was like well we do wonder vision you know we do yeah. you know we do the small town story you know <laughs> like we do um strip back you know that kind of thing and i i agree and i'll definitely have more to say on that in a moment yeah i would say sorry just uh maybe uh, obviously given it a lot of praise, it's it's up really high on my list for a reason. Um, I'd say the only criticism I, I, I do have of it, um, maybe unfairly, because I'm sure this is like, if you're going to make a Batman film, the Joker has to be in it somewhere. But I just, <laughs> I just felt that the final little addendum at the end of this film of seeing the Riddler locked up in Arkham and we obviously, his, his neighbour in the cell next to him, was, is obviously the Joker, and I just thought, did that need to be there? I don't know. So I anyway, agree. That that that's where I'd that's where I'd leave that one. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the Joker addendum, like, even in Zack Snyder's Justice League, like, I like that nightmare scene, but that if I was cutting anything out of that four-hour movie, it's that scene. And same with um, the Batman. Like, that felt more of a post-credit sequence, I think. Mm. Um, my number three is, uh, is Batman Begins. I love Batman Begins. It, to me, it's the strongest of the trilogy uh, as far as Batman films go. I feel like as those movies go, Batman becomes less of, you know, the vigilante, more of like, all right, here's, like a, here's a citywide problem that I'm, I'm going to have to try and figure out how to handle without powers. <laughs> like it's kind yeah. of, yeah. it's more and more hectic. But Begins is very stripped back. You know, we talk about Joe Chill, um, you know, and, like, and that scene where Bruce comes after him. Uh, it's fantastic. We see the training, um, all the training goes through, you know, from him being in like a prison fighting in the mud to, um, you know, climbing the, the mountain, getting the flower and then training with the League of Assassins, um, tricking the, you know, tricking Ra's al Ghul by cutting all the sleeves on everyone's uniforms. Yes. Oh, like what, seeing, a, what a great scene. Seeing that thinking. And that's what I missed from the the sequels, you know, like that kind of, him being creative, being clever. Um, you get that great scene in his first, one of his first nights as Batman where he's out um, at the warehouse district. He's throwing batarangs to knock out the lights and people are getting taken up. Like that to me is Batman. Him tying a criminal to a floodlight and it inadvertently creates the bat signal. Um, that to me is Batman. Um, I prefer um, Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think she's a better Rachel, and that's not a criticism of Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's wonderful, but I, I, I don't know. I buy their existing friendship more. I, I feel like they would, you know, the, their relation. I think their chemistry was better. Um, so I like that. Um, I like Scarecrow being the villain. I like that we do get some of that CGI madness. Um, you know, just that's how we get to. That's how we get into the fantasy elements of Batman because it's very serious. But by using those toxins and those chemicals, we can warp reality to play with. You know a headless horseman and things like that. Mm, um, mm. Having little references to villains like Victor Zaz. Um, Falcone's in this one as well, obviously. Um, and, um, you know, him threatening Bruce Wayne in a restaurant, I really liked. Um, that final, that and Wayne Manor, like Wayne Manor is a character in this film. Like there's mm, so much yeah. time in it. Um, I, my joke to my wife is always like, I just want to live in Wayne Manor. I don't want to be rich. And I understand to be halfway man, you need to be rich, but look, I don't go anywhere. I just want a house with a great front gate. Like, give me that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, the creation of the bat suit, the creation of the bat persona, the creation of the bat cave, um, you know, and Alfred just sassing him the entire time because yeah. it, they really build that relationship really well. Um, I think it's the best version of the murder of the Wayne. So, like, Zack Snyder painted it beautifully in Batman vs Superman, but that whole conversation, like seeing Thomas Wayne as like the calm, rational, it's fine. It's okay. Like trying to deal with yeah, it. Yeah. And then, you know, Joe Chill getting spooked and then shooting them. Um, so well executed. So well executed. Like my only criticism of the film, I've said a couple of times, is the biggest problem with Batman movies is the third act. They feel like they have to give us a big spectacle. So, at, you know, at the end of this movie, He's got a you know a grappling hook on the bottom of a train, and there's you know sewers exploding everywhere. Like that's a bit much, um, but at the same time, like you know, I'll I'll take it. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And I think um, underrated Liam Neeson performance as well. 
Very controlled, very subdued, like it's pre-Taken, Liam Neeson. Um, mm. You know, from from Taken moving forward, they kind of created this new genre of, like, action dads. Um, like, they, and they, yeah. made, they made Taken, they made the Equalized, things like that. This is kind of pre-that. Um, even something as simple as, like, um, keep your chest warm and your arms will take care of themselves. Like, just yeah. great little, like... That's the kind of thinking I like in my Batman. Like when I read a comic, I like him calculated and preparing for everything. He has a solution. He has the knowledge of how to proceed, which again, we don't really get in those sequels. And that's, you know, and again, I love those sequels and they're great movies, but this is more, we're getting into the mind of Bruce Wayne and how he's able to be so efficient because he's seen every, every variable. He's done the study. He's tried, he's trained. Um, the only problem, like with um, you know, with this film, is maybe like the bat suit. But like, I like it most out of the, the three Nolan bat suits because I don't really like the motorcycle helmet he wears in the sequels. Um, but obviously, having that neck piece really limits his movement. Um, yeah, yeah, and common, common in the you know in the in the live action movies that that neck piece is it's a menace. Um, also, the only my only problem, my only other problem with Christian Bale's Batman is his his fighting is all elbows. Like he's always doing this kind of thing. Like yeah. he's not actually like punching people, which they do remedy later on. Um, and but this is you know this film is really well balanced. It's got some great Batman moments, but some great Bruce Wayne moments as well. The other one I think of is when he returns and like he's with the girls in the and they jump in like the water feature at the hotel. Yes, like that. Yeah. Like yeah, there's so many wonderful moments. Um, it's the perfect entry point for anyone who wants to watch Batman. Like. They don't do origins better than this. It's really, really strong. Um, and somehow they pull off making Christian Bale look, you know, five, ten years younger just with, you know, a bit of hair and makeup. Like, it's actually yeah. pretty effective. Um, yeah. And they just give him, like, a stupid pushed-forward haircut. Yeah, and it, but it really works. Um, I think, you know, there's no... I think Christian Bale gets overlooked a lot. Like, you were talking about the subtleties in the performance as well, like how we can see through the mask even though others can't. Um it's there's a real like his Bruce Wayne is very good, um, mm. and yeah, but um, yeah, I love it. Um, perfect. I'd also just I'll quickly uh, sorry not to not to hijack no, your, um, your your review there, but I would also say just circling back to something I mentioned that I that I didn't love about um, the Batman, the most recent, the Matt Reeves one, is you know the ham-fisted crowbarring in of the Joker, but like. This is a master at work here, Christopher Nolan, just like right at the end. Leaves a calling card. Yeah, exactly. This guy, he's a real sicko, leaves a calling card and it's yeah. a joker. I mean, like that is, that is, is that not cinematic perfection right there? Absolutely. And I touched on this when I was talking about Dark Knight, but I will add um, Hans in a score. Mm. Particularly, I think in Begins, again, more than the other two films is so effective. Like, um, there's that very orchestral, like, dun, 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 and it keeps building and, like, has that yeah. real epic sound. You get the horns. Um, I think it's called Molossus. I think that's the name of the track. Um, I've definitely used that track in the gym more than once. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's very different. It's not as kind of orchestral and as atmospheric as, say, Danny Elfman's score, which mm. um, has a very gothic feel to it. But um, it's very suited to this version of Batman. Um I can't say enough good things. I love Batman Begins. It's one of my all-time favorites, and definitely my favorite of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, great film, great film, great trilogy. Sure is. 
We're down to the pointy end. Number two, what do we got? Number two for me, a film we have discussed before, The Dark Knight. Nice um, For me, this is cinematic perfection. Uh, I know you touched on it as well, but I'd be remiss if I didn't just mention the absolute thrill I get from turning the, you know, when you, you decide to rewatch The Dark Knight and you get that, as you said, the, that IMAX crisp wide shot of the city, the glass breaks and it's just the film's away then. It is just a spectacle. Um, you know, having just spoken about Batman Begins, I really love the way it kind of just like picks up where that, that took off um, or that left off, sorry. I think um, for me that was probably one of the first times I'd seen like multiple villains really well done, you know, like both. I mean, we don't necessarily get a character arc of the Joker, but that's not the point of the character. He's a chaos agent. But just having you've got the, the primary villain being the Joker and then along at the same time we've got this arc that Harvey Dent is going on where he's Gotham's white knight. And you can see it, it's such a well-written arc. You can see how he becomes Harvey Two-Face as well. Mm. Um, I think all of the sort of like bit part players are, are firing on all cylinders as well. I think uh, Morgan Freeman adds a really – Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine add like a really – I don't know, they lend such credibility whenever I see them yeah. on the screen. So even when they're out, they are doing just like stupid movie shit, like using a GPS machine to like track <laughs> yeah. the, all, of, all the people in Gotham and stuff like that. Um, you know, you, you just sort of believe it. But I think that um, the movie does, uh, you know, really start then with Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, so it, it's a valid point you make where it is, you know, Heath, you know Heath Ledger's movie, and it's not a pretty, and it's not. Um, uh, primarily Batman focused, but um, for me that their, their conflict and like the scene when he just interrogates him and just starts by smashing his head into the table, <laughs> yeah. it is just such a great scene. And um, yeah, I don't know. Well, there's not enough good things I can say about the Dark Knight. I mean, I feel almost like at a loss for words. I think I've yeah in various iterations of our podcast. I'm sure we've. We've probably racked up about 10 hours of recorded material on The Dark Knight. Um, it's, it's so good. Like, and you know, I didn't talk, you know, I tried to, I focused on the Batman of it all when I was talking about it before, but like, there's so many, like, the Joker moment. And look, and also Aaron Eckhart as Two Face is fantastic. Like, he's really good in it. Um, he's got some really wonderful um, moments. You can see, like, he plays downtrodden so well. Like, he's dating Bruce Wayne's ex girlfriend. Like, and you, he's trying to, like, he doesn't have the wealth to save the CB still wants to. Like, it's a really hard role to play, and he does it very well. But, like, try to pick a favourite Joker moment, like him in the hospital wearing the nurse's outfit. Mm. I Like, you know, he's kind of yeah. awkward about it. Um, look what I started with just a, a, a bunch of matches and gasoline. Um, he snaps the, the uh, pool cue. We're going to have tryouts. Um, yeah. When he explains his origin, I took a razor to my mouth, like, even like want to see, you know, want to see a pencil disappear. Like every scene he's in is iconic. It's yeah. just, it's so good. And that voice, like that voice is so like, you wouldn't expect it. Um, 
or the the hostage video, you know, when he like he's like that is so creepy. Then why do you dress like him? Like that really like <laughs> yeah. And he hangs the mask up like um oh it's yeah. Like I, I mean of all the films we've talked about, that's the one I want to go and rewatch the most. Like like because yeah. just don't want to see Heath Ledger act a fool for two and a half. Yeah. And and I think that you know when you've watched the film a few times, obviously I've seen it like 10 plus times at this point, you, you, you sort of get used to, you, you know what's coming when he has to make a real Sophie's choice between Aaron Eckhart and um, what's the character's name? Dawson? Oh, uh, it's Rachel Dawes. Rachel, Rachel Daw, Daw. Dawson's Creek is what I was going for there. Well, you know, <laughs> she, had, she was in the first one, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rachel Dawes. So, but, like, you can't underestimate how, how heartbreaking that moment is when he chooses like duty over love there and he lets her die you know that is like heartbreaking when you first experience that well if you um, remember he doesn't like he goes to save her and the joker played the old switcheroo which was such a great twist when i saw it in theaters for the first oh time. yes of course yeah yeah because he's go. like which one are you after i'm going for rachel and like I don't think anyone saw that coming. Like the love no. interest never dies in these movies, and to have yeah. that twist um, was this like a, another like even though he's not even the same. What a beautiful Joker moment! Just like yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then and that's the the final that just makes um, Harvey snap, and then we get us we get our Harvey Two Face. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't have too much more to say about the Dark Knight. It is cinematic perfection. Um, in every sense of the word. And I think it'll, you know, it's now been, it's probably about 15 years old and it's been in my, my top 10 list of movies for that long. And I think it'll remain there. Yeah. It's, it's such a strong film. Um, and like, that's where we are now with this part, this part of the list, the top three or four, like, how do you, like, it does, it, like, as I said, I agonized over this list. And I, like, I, like I moved things around. I always knew I wanted Begins higher than Dark Knight because that's the way I feel about the movies. But until the very end, I was still like, maybe I need to move this around. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I'm going to need to rewatch Phantasm, make sure that's not in my list. Like, um, I really want to get the list right. So, um, cool. My number two movie uh, is a little film, uh, a highly divisive film called Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, now, I'm talking about the Ultimate Edition. I don't like to throw in caveats, but, like, the Ultimate Edition is the only version to watch. It adds an additional half an hour of footage, and without it, the film um, suffers. Like, when I saw the film in cinemas, I hated it. Like, I remember I came after work, I asked my wife if she wanted to go see it. She was like, sure. The only session we could get was, like, an expensive, like, director suite type session. Um, And at the end of it, like, I could hear her sighing because she wasn't into it. And the end, she was like, what do you think? And I just gave her the thumbs down. I was not into it at all. Um, I did love Ben Affleck as Batman and I love Cavill as Superman. I just didn't, I felt like it felt like an incomplete movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, has, uh, sorry to um, butt in while you're sort of halfway through yours. No. Um, talk about yours, but has there been a more important 30 minutes ever cut out of a film? Because I think you're so right. And probably without, um, without that, those 30 minutes, this, poss- this film possibly doesn't make my list. <laughs> it's, all of the motivation has been cut yeah. out. You know, like the 
when we find like you don't know until you watch the extended cut, you don't know that Luther bribed the woman from you know mm. to go on the stand and testify against Superman. You don't know that the um, wheelchair was made of lead. You know, yeah. like, and you, 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 you don't do, see you don't the, go on. Sorry, no, I was going to say you you don't know that Clark Kent is being fed all this anti Batman propaganda. Yeah, you don't see Clark go to Gotham to do some mm. investigating. You don't. There's one beautiful moment in the end of that film. Um, after Doomsday has been created, where Doomsday tries to kill Lex Luthor and Superman saves him. That's not in the theatrical cut. Like, and that's such a Superman moment. Mm. Um, I, I, I love it. Um, I, I really do. It's, it's, it's such a strong movie. I love Ben Affleck's characterization of Batman. I like his jaded Bruce Wayne. Um, kind of teeing off you know, from where Man of Steel ended to show the final battle of Man of Steel from his point of view from the ground level and to just see, like, the city collapsing and thousands of people running away from danger and have one man running into it is the perfect definition of who Batman's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, that scene, you know, where the cops are, like, um, they go to where all the women are captive and, like, Batman's, like, hiding in the rafters and, like, taking yeah, off yeah. stuff. Um, he's branding people. That's straight out of the Dark Knight Returns. The whole um, because they do they kind of be like, oh, you're in for a show, kid, like that kind of thing. Where he tries to shoot Batman with a shotgun. Um, what else can I say about it? Um, you know, you get the Bruce Wayne training montage where um, like he's whacking things with a sledgehammer and lifting like impossible weights. Oh um, yeah, that those. Oh, he's a even though he's got like more money than God. His weights like these real grimy old weights like looks like they've been around for 20 or 30 years like love that um him at luther's party like acting drunk so he can go investigate is really good um we get the beginning of the relationship with diana and bruce in this as well where he's trying to figure out who she is um the fight it takes two hours to get to um but the fight and that's the thing i think a lot of people misunderstood is they were like oh it's batman versus superman it's not. It's Batman v Superman. And I know that sounds like a really weird thing to be picky about. Snyder said it himself. He goes, I wrote it as kind of a, as kind of a, le- you know, a battling of ideals. The, say, the way you would do a court case, you know, X v X. Like, mm. it's not versus. It's not a fight movie. It's a battle of ideals, you know. Um, if someone has ultimate power, should they be able to use it? And how do the people who don't have that power react to it? And, you know, this mm. is a, a, a Batman who's jaded, a Batman who hasn't, had that support. His Robin was murdered by the Joker. We see, you know, the suit in the Batcave. It's a Batman who, you know, in the comics and most movies, if he does meet the Justice League, normally he's in his mid to late 20s. He's not jaded yet. He's on the path to redemption. This is an old, bitter Bruce Wayne who never had any help and the only help he enlisted was murdered. And now he's confronted with a a being who he cannot stop. Here's an indestructible alien with laser vision who can tear down a city in a matter of minutes. And I've never had help before. Now, what do I do? Like, yeah. you know, ideals make sense. Of course, he's afraid. Of course, he's angry. And it's a really wonderful kind of, um, uh, I guess, discussion or look at systematic racism as well. Like, you know, where it's like, I don't understand it, therefore I hate and fear it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a really um, complex film. Now, look, the third act is a mess. I, like, I'm gonna, I, like most Batman films, the Doomsday fight is better in the extended cup, but it doesn't do much for me. Batman's basically useless in that part. Um, what we do get before Doomsday 
is Batman in the Warehouse, which is one of the best fight scenes you'll ever see in any Batman film. I think my, I mean, there's probably a, a scene or two from the Matt Reeves Batman that we've just talked about, or I've just talked about, um, where it's a few great brawling scenes, but that that is, uh, that's my number one Batman brawler as, you know, as, as the, the, the guy who just absolutely just knocks people for six. Like, yeah, uh, there's a bit when he, when he like, Gra- uh, get use his grappling hook to sling a box and just like yes. <laughs> it is just so such a cool move and you know what like I don't know if this is throwing the formatting out but like uh, this is obviously my number one Batman film so I'll sort of like yeah jump, jump in go well. but like you know addressing some of the criticism I have I, it is a really divisive film and you know I've heard a lot of people sort of um belittle that moment at the end when he's he's fought superman he's defeated him and he's planning to kill him and um and superman says something about martha and you know obviously they've both got the same their their, their mothers have got the same name and you know a lot of people like oh what so just because they've got the same um their mothers have got the same name that was enough for them to be allies i think no you're really missing the point the point was he saw him as this alien invasion you know who can destroy the world but in that moment it grounds him he realizes that he's you know no they're no different he's just someone who cares about his own mother mm. and um i thought it was a really nice moment but it, you know i think that's one of the more divisive parts of the film it's so weird that it was a sticking point for people um because mm. yeah like because it's yeah exactly it's it's humanizing him you know he's only ever seen him as superman he doesn't know him as clark kent Mm. Um, and the fact that you know he's just a guy, you know he's just a boy, a boy from Kansas. Like the last line in Man of Steel, I'm a I'm a guy from Kansas. How more American can I get? Like that's yeah. the whole point. Um, yeah, and um, but no, uh, you know a lot of the the praise you've given it is uh, I completely agree with. I think this is probably my most rewatchable film. It's it's the film I can just put on at any time, and I'm just in. You know, um, I love it from minute one. I think. I still, I still ride for the, uh, for the fight at the end. I, I think you're right. It, it's, it, it, is, it does get become a little bit of a mess, but as far as like big CGI creations go, um, I think it's like a pretty coherent fight, and I think that's about as much as you can ask for with these. Um, Look, it does give us the Trinity. It's the first time we see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman together. We get that awesome Wonder Woman theme. Um, yeah. Uh, and she's the best part of that fight for me, um, and that's again, again why. Like, because it, it's it's not so much a mess in as much as like I don't know what's going on. It's more just like Doomsday's a little unrefined. Like of all the things um, that we see in that film, and there's a lot of CGI in that movie, um, and a lot of CGI in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. Doomsday could have been done a little bit better. Like I think the lightning explosions are a little bit kind of wacky and stuff, and and he looks a bit strange, but. That being said, like Wonder Woman working with Superman to fight Doomsday is great. Like I, I love that. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, um, but I, no, I also, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say uh, just a few other honorable mentions for sick moments is um, when like Batman is chasing down um, the team, the team who of Lex Luthor's team who've got the Kryptonite. Yes, and it's a he's just the Batmobile just looks like indestructible against these trucks. And then, uh, I mean, this is probably a, a moment more slanted towards Superman, but like, 
when Superman just lands and it just bounces off him. Yeah. That is so great. Absolutely. Um, that also there's the footage of Batman invading, like going into LexCorp to steal the kryptonite and you just see him like drop from the roof. Like yeah. it doesn't get much more Batman than that. Um, speaking of Luther, I really like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luther. I know he's a sticking point. Like this is a film that has a lot of interesting and unusual choices. And I think audiences didn't like those. I like his Lex Luthor. I like that he's unsure of himself. I like that he's calculated but socially awkward. Like that speech he gives when he's like trying to explain about power and gods, he just fumbles it. Like I think that's really human. And, you know, it's kind of like the criticisms the Spider-Man films have got about Flash Thompson. He's not a jock anymore. He's an intellectual um, kind of bully. Good. I like that. Like it puts him on the same level. It grounds him a little bit. Um, yeah, I really, I really like his Luther. Um, I think he's some of the, he offers some of the few moments of levity in the film because it is a very serious film. Um, and I think, you know, Lex, I think Jesse Eisenberg is having a lot of fun. Um, yes. yeah. and he gets to make tyrannical speeches. Like, that's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it, and he does it so well. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I'm trying, like, there's so much I could say about this film. There's so many great moments in it. We didn't, you know, we didn't talk about the fight. Like, the fight is great. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've talked about how I don't like Batman smiling. I'll give you one exception. When he's in the armor and Superman lands, he goes, well, I'm here. Like, what a great, <laughs> like, cocky, arrogant delivery. And he's got the machine gun set up and, like, the sound blasters and everything. Um, yeah. It was so good. Yeah, and you really, um, I think, like, they really use kryptonite well in this. I know that's, like, the probably the nerdiest sentence I've ever spoken, but I really, like, I like the fact that it just completely, can, like, can bring Superman to his knees here and it just levels the fight. And it doesn't just more than level the playing field. <laughs> he's, he's pretty much a goner as soon as, um, as, soon as Batman starts using it. Uh, and there's that great moment when the kryptonite starts wearing off because he's like punching him, and then the punching yeah. gets more um, less hollow, it gets more hollow, and then yeah. he realizes he's just like puts his hands up in defense and yeah. throws him through a wall. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I love yeah. it. Fantastic. I mean, divisive. Probably. Yeah, we were remiss to talk about this film and not talk about how divisive it is. I, I, I listened to another podcast recently who was ranking batman films and they didn't have this in a top 10 list or whatever their list was um i think people watched the theatrical cut decided it was a bit of a mess and and never went back and i really would encourage anyone who's listening to you know if they haven't checked out the theatrical cut to to really do so it changes this the face of the film you get a lot more context and it just starts to make a lot more sense Absolutely. Even my wife, like she's only seen it the one time. She's seen the theatrical cut in theaters. And um, there's a, a channel on YouTube called Cinema Wins and they do the opposite of Cinema Sins where they're like, they look at all the great things about movies. And he did like a two-part video on Batman vs Superman, the extended cut. Um, and after watching, I was watching it, she kind of called me and she goes, oh, she's never thought about it like that. I guess maybe it is worth a rewatch. I was like, oh, we can rewatch it. And she's like, nah. <laughs> like <laughs> just one yeah. of those things um because that film does come with a stigma um but yeah the, the extended cut definitely serves it better but also some movies don't always work the first watch sometimes you need to give it a second spin to take it all in 
Um, you know, even like, the, you know, I talked about the Marvel films before, and again, I'm not putting them down. I love them. But I see, I find more things in each rewatch with all those films. Like Incredible Hulk, I rewatched recently. The last time I watched it, I was like, yeah, okay, this isn't because I remembered it. And then this time I loved it again. So it also just depends. Like each viewing is going to give you different things. Um, and Batman v Superman, unfortunately, people kind of didn't get what it was about. Maybe the marketing didn't help to kind of set it up to be. We didn't even talk about the mm. nightmare sequence. You know, like them no, fighting in yeah. the desert. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So much, you know, flash time traveling. You know, traveling back in time to let him know, like, hey, you've got to look, you know, keep an eye on Lois. She's the key to everything. Um, yeah, it's it is solid. I, I love it. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've really got anything else to add. It's just perfection. It's a great flick um, mm. and sorely underrated. So hopefully they'll give it another chance. Um, I guess that just goes down to my last movie because speaking That's of CBS is your number one. Um, process of elimination will probably dictate what my number one is now. I don't think anyone's surprised. Maybe the surprise is so high on my list, but not surprised what I'm going to say. Um, it's the Batman. And I was really unsure about this when I was writing my list because I'm like, ah, I've seen it once. It's really new. Like maybe it's too soon to put it at the top. But here's the thing. Everything I don't, everything that's missing from the Batman movie that I previously is addressed in this film. It's Batman as a detective. It's all set at night. He's in the costume constantly. I don't need, like, people have complained there was enough Bruce Wayne. I've got enough Bruce Wayne from the last 30 years. I'm fine. Like, I want to see him as Batman. The fights are excellent. All the relationships are done really well. Him and Jim Gordon, perfect relationship. Him and Selena Kyle, perfect relationship. Um, the only thing that's missing is the Alfred relationship, but I got a lot of Alfred in those, you know, Jeremy Irons we didn't talk about, but his Alfred's great. Every Alfred's been good. I know their next film, we're going to see more Bruce Wayne. We're going to see more Alfred. So I'm cool with that. I want to see something a little bit different. This film is relentless. There are three songs in this movie. There's a Nirvana song, Ave Maria, and the, the score, which is just the same three notes, and it works. Um, grounding Riddler as a Zodiac-type killer is so effective and terrifying. The first time you see him step into the room, um, I got chills. And you know, I don't get scared of movies very often. I watch a lot of horror movies, but it felt like a horror movie. Like, and just knowing he was just sitting there calculating, waiting to strike. He could go in every one and he's just putting it off, just savoring the moment. Um, Zoe Kravitz is excellent as, as Selena Kyle and as Catwoman. Like, she walks that line really well between kind of anti-hero, kind of out for herself, and then also trying to help people less fortunate. Um the use of gadgets tech is minimal but effective. I love the contact lens cameras. Um, I love his stripped back Dodge Charger Batmobile. I think it, yeah. you know, it really plays to who this Batman is. Like people, I know people criticized, you know, the Alfred relationship and they criticized, you know, how Batman's not perfect in this. He shouldn't be. It's year two. I want him young and inexperienced. I want him making mistakes because all the other Batman we've seen are been active for a while with the exception of Batman Begins and those Batman's making mistakes I can't excuse because he's meant to be better than this <laughs> this one he's it's okay with that um I think Colin Farrell's Penguin is excellent it's my favorite version of the Penguin um I agree with you about John Turturro as Carmine Falcone like what a great performance this film has four villains and no one oversteps their boundaries it never feels overcrowded now the film is long. It's three hours and you can definitely cut some stuff out of there. Um, 
But that being said, I was never bored. Um, I know that. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't really think there's there's a flat spot in the film, really. No. And when we were talking about the film after we saw it, I think I said, "Do you look? We could take you know maybe one of the victims out. Like that takes down twenty minutes." But I like having them in there. Like I like mm. you know I like seeing that killing spree, um, that end interrogation scene where he goes to Arkham and the Riddler's just saying Bruce Wayne. And you think that, like, he's figured out the identity and then it's like a, a bait and switch. I was fooled. I really thought they yeah. were going to do it again where a villain figured out his identity and then, like, they, they kind of played us. Um, I like the riddles. I know some people think that the riddles are a bit too easy. Look, it's a, it's a movie. It's a Batman movie. Like, I want, like, if I can solve the riddles, I feel as smart as Batman, so I don't mind that. <laughs> um there's some really great lines. I love um, when he's in the police precinct and that he's surrounded by the cops and he's trying to get out. And the police just like, I've got you for assaulting an officer. And Batman's like, I think you'll find I've assaulted three. Like, great <laughs> line. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love seeing the contrast between the way the cops treat Batman versus the way the cops treat Bruce Wayne because you see the same cops interact with him in both personas and, like, there's awe and admiration for Bruce but absolute disdain for Batman. Um <laughs> That whole funeral scene, I think, is excellent when the car comes through and then um, you've got Riddler on the phone asking the riddles. Riddler is portrayed, like we talk about Zodiac, but I also get the feeling he was inspired by kind of like those incel terrorists. You know how, like, over the last couple of years there's been some really horrible crimes where it's been teenagers who can't get a girlfriend so they go and shoot a school. Now, mm. obviously mm. that is a horrible and real-world tragedy, but what an interesting choice for a villain to be like, look, he's a bit of a loser. He's garnering support on social media. Like he's spreading his word of hate through that. And now everyone wants to be the Riddler. Um, which felt like a nice callback to Dark Knight where you have everyone dressed up as the Joker. Um, or even everyone dressed up as Batman, you know, everyone wearing hockey pads and stuff. Like that was great. Again, third act is a bit wild. Like the flood kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but yeah. <laughs> It does give you the opportunity to have Batman waiting for the water with a red light, which looks very cool. That was cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, obviously wanted to save a little bit of the discussion for when it came up for you, but did want to um, see how you felt Robert Pattinson did as as Batman, you know, where, where he ranks for you. Uh, you're obviously, same with me, thought he was phenomenal. Yeah, he's great. I never had any concerns. I remember when he was announced, like whenever anyone gets announced for a role these days, there's backlash. Like, I remember people being, being outraged by Ben Affleck. I'm like, what, what? I'm like, have you seen a Ben Affleck movie? Like, it's a perfect choice. Same with Pattinson. Like, everyone always thinks of the sparkly vampire Twilight movie, but um, watch Good Time. Watch any number of other Robert Pattinson films. The guy can act. Um, and um, he, like, my only concern was I was like, oh, he's a bit skinny. Like, he might not seem intimidating. But I didn't know how tall he was. I know there's lifts in the boots or whether he just is that tall, but he towers over everyone. He fills the space well. Um, you know, there's not much of a bat voice there. It's kind of a bit of a gravelly Bruce Wayne, but that's okay. I don't need the Christian Bale voice either. That one was a bit, a bit wild. Um, <laughs> it is, it is kind of surprising to see the people who spend so much time around both Bruce and Batman can't figure out that it's the same person because of the voice, but that's a very small price to pay. I love the suit. Um, I love that, um, the bat symbol comes out and can be used as a tool as well. Um, yeah, I really liked him. I think he's great. I don't think there's a weak performance in the entire film. I think everyone is at their best. Like, they're absolutely kind of playing to their strengths. 
Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. And I think that, um, what, yeah, what, when I was talking about the film, I definitely skipped on on talking about Colin Farrell, but he's great. And just a shout out to whoever's whoever they got to do the makeup on this film. That is, I think, the best prosthetic makeup I've ever seen. You just couldn't tell it was him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, really phenomenal. Okay, well, that's really interesting that that's jumped to number one for you as well. I didn't know it was going to be until I wrote my list. And the more I think about it, like it's the only film I can think of, the only Batman film where Batman is the main character and is the primary focus. Mm. Um, like even Batman versus, like Batman versus Superman I love, but he has to share the screen with a couple of characters. Like, um, and, you know, it's it's very much a Man of Steel sequel, sequel even though it, Batman is the main name in the title. Um, but this one is, you know, it gives me everything I have never, I've always wanted but never seen a Batman film. So, um, look, time will tell. Maybe in six months' time I'll re- retract the statement and I'll have, you know, jumble up my list. Um, but I just don't see it dropping out of the, the top five anytime soon. And I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves does next because I was so impressed with it. So. Yeah, you know, I'd love to uh, – I don't know if you've heard whether it's, there, were, there was interest in a sequel. Uh, you presume there is. You know, it's rare that these films are a one-off, particularly if it's such a big hit. Um, I'd I'd love to see him expand on this this iteration of Batman. Um, you know, uh, they've obviously teased the Joker. I mean, we sort of talked about it a little bit before. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'd love to see what they do. Um, I'd love to see how they score the next one because, as you say, this was very sparse. It was those three piano notes really made up a fair chunk of the whole movie. <laughs> But very effective. I um I, I really enjoyed the score. I hope whatever they do with the sequel, I hope we get some villains we haven't seen before or we can improve on. So, you know, I'd love to see another take on Mr. Freeze. I'd love to see another mm. take on Poison Ivy. Um, Poison Ivy is maybe my favourite villain, um, so I'd really like to see her done justice. I love my favourite version right now is the one in the Harley Quinn animated series, but I'd love to see her done as kind of like an eco-terrorist, like... I think there's a lot you can do with that character. Um, you know, Clayface we've never had before. Killer Croc I wasn't impressed with in Suicide Squad. I think there's a way to do him. There are so many great villains. Mm. I think if they're like, hey, we're doing the Joker and Two-Face again, I'll be a little bit, like, I'm sure it'll be great, yeah. but I'm just like, look, we just did Catwoman and Penguin. We've done them a bunch. Like, let's mix it up. And and Riddler, sorry. Let's just move uh, to the, the give us, side. <laughs> give us what we want. And what we want is a Calendar Man film. Um, I think that they could do Calendar Man in this universe very easily. I think they, they could do a cool <laughs> version. I actually spoke to, um, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Dave, my brother-in-law David, and he suggested Calendar Man as a legitimate option. Um, so <laughs> Whenever I think, I think of Calendar Man, I think of, do you know when you see like someone dressed up as like a cartoon mobile phone trying to sell, <laughs> like the thing Michael <laughs> Michael like pokes at that like um, convention yeah, they go is. to <laughs> in the office. That's what I think of calendar man, but a calendar. Um, nice one. Well, those are our lists. Um, pretty pretty strong list, I think. Everyone will hate them, I'm sure, but I'm really happy with them. I am very aware I'm that our welcome welcome the feedback. Yeah, <laughs> I am very aware that our meeting is about to end. We've got about eight minutes left, so we'll do a quick wrap up. But did you have any honourable mentions you want to list quickly? I certainly did. I didn't have many. Um, my lack of my lack of um, experience with the 
the animated films means I just didn't have the, the general number that, that you were probably working with, but I just had the two. Um, so I had Batman and Robin, the mm-hmm. second of Joel Schumacher's, um, I think pretty self-explanatory. It's not a good film. George Clooney really wasn't given the best equipment to work with. It's campy beyond belief. Um, like the cheesy lines, the cheesy villains, that credit card. It's maximalist, out-of-control 90s at its best. Um, And my other one, which I actually, uh, shows how well I knew you, I actually thought that Batman from 1989 was that would have actually made your list and been relatively high on it. Um, I rewatched that for the first time in 10 or 15 years to, to, to prepare for this podcast. And I had just forgotten, I'd forgotten, I think, no, I think what I, I've been too wrapped up in serious Batman, which is what we've had for the last 15 years. And mm. I'd forgotten that there's movies where the Joker dances his way into this museum and just starts destroying art to work. I always song, think know? of that. That's what, whenever people ask me about Batman, that's the first thing I think of. Um, it's not, it's on my honorable mentions. I do like that film, but it's very campy, very wacky. Um, also, this is a movie where Batman not only shoots a gun, which he swore he'd never do, but when he does shoot, he misses. Um, mm. like, so I do like Batman 89. It just certainly has, has its place. Um, and without that film, we, wouldn't, we may not be where we are today. So it definitely, you know, um, is a very important yeah. film. But it, it's on the honourable mentions for me. I would also add um, Batman and Robin as well. I, I really like Batman and Robin. Um, it's not a good film, but it is my first Batman movie. Without that movie, I may not ever become interested in the character. Um, so I do have an affection for it, even though it's not very good. Um, I would also add Batman, the 1966 movie with Adam West. Um, that's really fun. Um, very, very silly, but that show is great and really entertaining. And that movie, there's a lot of fun to be had there as well. Um, and then I threw in a couple of animated films. So there's Batman Assault on Arkham, um, which is actually more of a Suicide Squad film. Um, it's ties into the Arkham games and basically they have to break into Arkham, uh, and stop the Joker, if I remember correctly. And Batman's involved. So um, not really a Batman movie, which is why it wasn't on the list, but it is a lot of fun. Um, And it is a great introduction to those characters. So it's a good one. And then there's another animated film called Batman Year One. Also based on a Frank Miller comic, it's, you know, inspired the Batman um, with Robert Pattinson. It's about Batman's, Bruce Wayne's first year becoming Batman. He meets Catwoman um, and he's voiced by... Uh, Ryan from the OC. What's that guy's name again? Oh, um, Ryan from Chino, you know? Yeah, I know him. I know him. What's his name? Um, ben, he's just Ryan. Ben something. I want to say. Ben Mendelssohn is not his name. Ben Franklin. No, it's... Um, why I'll is look it up now. This is the ben curse McKenzie. of podcasting. You can never think of names when you need them. It's Ben yeah. McKenzie and... Um, and I can't remember who voices Gordon off the top of my head, but um, it's great. It's a good adaptation. It's just um, not as strong as some other ones, but it's definitely worth watching also. Um, there you go. That is our huge oversized Batman episode. I don't know what time we started recording, but we've gone, we've gone over two and a half hours. Um, like any good bloated Batman film. <laughs> um, 
Excellent. That's going to do it for our Batman list this week. Thank you for sticking around and listening to all the Bat chat. We are officially Bat fans forever. How many more puns can I get in? Uh, That's just boys talking bats, man. That's all it is. Boys talking bats. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can obviously follow on Instagram, I Was a Teenage Film Snob. The show is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well, as well as Anchor FM. We want to thank Nick for being a guest. I'm sure he'll be back again soon. Uh, I... We'll keep dragging him back in until he's sick of it because um, I love talking to him about movies. Is there anything you want to throw out there before we wrap up, Nick? No, thanks for having me back on. It was a great pleasure. Um, I'm looking forward to our next chat. And if you ever want to rank something, you know where to find me. He is, uh, he is a grade A ranker. He is, uh, old <laughs> Nick. Thank you for listening. As we always say, I was a teenage film snob, but I am trying to be better. We'll see you next week. <laughs>